Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and today we are going to be talking about... Spider-Man, Spider-Man, who does whatever a spider can. That's right, it's time for needless things to visit good old Peter Parker, everyone's favorite webhead. But first, before we get to that, I want to talk about some television a little bit. And uh, and then I have something that I need all of the Phantomaniacs, all of the needless things listeners to help me out with. Uh, but first, uh, real quick, Rick and Morty. I, I've, <laughs> I hate to have been so late to the game on this, uh, but... I've just now started watching Rick and Morty. I broke down and and dealt with the fact that I'm just going to have to sit through Hulu's commercials. And, I, and I'll be honest, the commercials that they put on Hulu aren't that bad. They're not the most obnoxious commercials ever. Some of them are like three seconds long, uh, and, and they, they kind of move by quick. They're not as long as televised commercials. So I watched the entire first season of Rick and Morty. I watched the second episode of the second season uh, just before I came down to record this and I absolutely love the show now let me tell you the dumb reason why I started watching the show or I guess it's not dumb as a matter of fact once you hear it you'll be like yeah that's that sounds like Phantom so Funko got the license to do Rick and Morty toys and these Rick and Morty toys have been showing up everywhere they're at Toys R Us they're at Target and I have seen full sets they're five figures in the first wave uh, and I've been seeing them And they look really neat. I love the designs. And I know, I I have known that the show is something that I would enjoy. Uh, and there have been other instances where I've been resistant to getting into animation that's been in some way very popular very quickly. Uh, South Park, Adventure Brothers, both are things that I was not immediately on board with because they had this like immediate buzz that turned me off because sometimes I'm a little contrary too. So Rick and Morty. Uh, one thing, when things are on Adult Swim, they're almost always in some kind of weird time slot. So it's, it's, yes, I know with the DVR, that's not any kind of excuse, but typically what happens is something launches on Adult Swim and they don't even know about it for three episodes and, and they don't put it right on demand and then their websites, not the greatest thing to navigate in the world. Uh, which by the way, remind me to go off on an NJPW rant at some point. But anyway, uh, two years ago for the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show show, Miss Lady Flex dressed up as Sexy Rick Sanchez. And even at that point, like, she liked the show enough to do that. At that point, I should have said, okay, I need to just look into this. And I just didn't. So now the toys are out, and I keep seeing them. And I keep thinking to myself, with my toy collecting experience, you're going to watch that show, and this wave is going to be gone. You're, you're going to find out that Bird Person is the greatest character in the history of animation, and he's going to be the one you can't find. Or, uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole, or Meeseeks, or whatever. I, I, like, I've been down this road. So what I did, uh, I, being halfway responsible, I bought the whole wave, and kept the receipt, and kept the bag that they came in, 
and told myself, all right, you have them. Now, at some point, watch Rick and Morty, and you know if you don't like it, you can return them. If you haven't gotten around to watching it within the 90-day return period or whatever it is, you take them back, because obviously you don't care that much. Uh, but I, I, I did not bring them home and open them, is my point. Uh, even though they look like great toys, like I, I, I love the design of these figures. They look really neat, uh, and, and I wanted to open them, but I was like, "You're not going to buy them just to buy them and then not know about the show." So uh, I bought them within a few days. I watched the show, and it's awesome. If you guys haven't watched it, just watch it. It's it's dirty and stupid and brilliant at the same time. Uh, I, the second episode of the second season depicts non-earth travel in a way that is so cynical and yet so real uh and with uh morty's dad has experiences i won't go into too much detail not that it's going to spoil anything but uh morty's dad deals with interplanetary travel and it feels very much like oh this is what it would be like there wouldn't be magical lovable creatures it would be this I just and the whole show is coming at things from a very hilarious, very uh, I don't want to say cynical because it's not it's not too biting and at the end there's there's heart with a healthy dose of realism. How about that? So anyway, Rick and Morty highly recommended. Now on Phantom Troublemakers watch list and July thirtieth the new season starts up and I'm very excited and and I will finish the second season before then easily. Okay, I was going to talk about Preacher, but instead, uh, because we're second two episodes in, it's great, watch it, whatever. Instead, I want to talk about another thing that I'm late to the game on, only this time I'm like 40 years late to the game, and that's Oingo Boingo. Because I, uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know how. I, I have recently discovered them. I mean, I was aware, obviously weird science and Dead Man's Party. Dead Man's Party has been my Halloween playlist for twenty years or whatever. Uh, and weird science, you just you know weird science. But I never went beyond those really. One because the name Oingo Boingo was silly and and just didn't appeal to me. And I, I didn't I didn't hate it. It was just like well, that doesn't sound like anything I'd care about. Uh, and I finally our, our friends Bo Brown and Derek Tatum ha- had mentioned Oingo Boingo in various. Uh, circumstances that made me think, man, I really need to check that out because both of those guys, I, I trust their taste implicitly. And, uh, so I bought a best of album, best of Boingo, and I don't recommend it because as, as I discovered, the recordings on it are not the original recordings. They're not the best recordings, but it does give, I mean, I'll, I will say this. It gave me a really good sort of feel for what Oingo Boingo was that I didn't get before and made me realize, oh, I need to investigate further into this. So I've now bought, uh, their, their first album and their like fourth or fifth album, whatever came out in 1990. And cause I was going to go in order, but then I found the 1990 album used at Book Nook, which is a local, uh, comic used book, used music, used everything store. That's fantastic. Uh, toys, they have toys. Uh, so I went ahead and bought that one. And what I'm discovering is that Oingo Boingo should have been my favorite band for the past 40 years and that so many bands I like are relatable to Oingo Boingo. Uh, 
Surge from System of a Down basically just sings like Danny Elfman, but but to metal. And uh, Mr. Bungle, uh, definitely there are things there. Uh, there, there's a lot of ska in it, which I still, yes, as a 41 year old male, I admit that I, I do still enjoy ska music. Uh, but there, there's just, it's, it's wonderful. Like, I, it, it actually hurts my soul a little bit that I haven't spent the past 30 plus years with this music in my life because it would have been part of my soundtrack. I, I just, can't believe I've missed out on this. And yes, I'm thankful I, I finally gotten into it and I love it and I'm experiencing it for the first time and it's magical. And, uh, just every new song that I hear is a, a new piece of this new thing that I love. But there is some melancholy there because shit, man, I, I could have been enjoying this for so long now. You know, I, I there were opportunities where I could have seen them live that that's probably not going to happen now. Just. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's bittersweet because it's sweet because I found new music that I love. Well, <laughs> I found old music that I love. Uh, but, but it is kind of like, damn it. Uh, I missed that one. Uh, and, and I should have, uh, this right up my alley. It's so perfect. And, and, uh, I didn't, I, I just, it passed me by. So anyway, love Oingo Boingo totally on board they're great they're super and you should by all means go to needlessthingsite.com click on that big amazon box in the top right corner and buy for for all of your oingo boingo needs uh when you go shop on amazon through needlessthingsite.com a little bit of what you spend goes to needless things and it doesn't cost you anything extra so it's one of the best ways to support uh, the needless things podcast and needless things site.com so thank you for that okay another way that you can support needless things is by helping me out with this next thing so when i was a kid i and and we talk about it in the show so i'm not going to get too too deep into it but Mego spider-man was one of my first spider-man experiences uh, but there was another Spider-Man toy that I had that I'm having a little trouble with, and I need you guys to help me out. My grandmother, my dad's mom, got it for me when I was very, very young. This would have been 79, 80, 81, right around there. And it was a big plastic Spider-Man that could slide down a web line and also had a retractable web that came out of his fist. And I'm looking around, and it seems like Remco's energized Spider-Man has to be it. But I remember it, I've, it wasn't... The one I had wasn't as articulated as Amigo figure... But I felt like it had some joints, and I'm looking at this energized Spider-Man, and he, he doesn't have any. He's just stuck with his arm up in the air looking like a goon. But I, when I first got this, I wasn't crazy about it because whatever I had, which I, I figure it has to be this energized Spider-Man, it, it's, you know, that's not, in my opinion, that's not a great figure. But... Over time, I, I got to really enjoy. He, he could slide down a web line with his hand. He had the one that shot out of his hand that he would crawl up. He had this other big web that did something that I don't quite remember. Over time, I 
I grew to love it as a toy because it was just fun. And then at some point his arm broke off and that was the end of that. But you guys, I need your help because I've looked around on the internet. I can't find anything else even remotely similar to this. And my brain tells me that this energized Spider-Man has to be the toy that I'm thinking of. But my heart says it's not quite right, if that makes any sense. So you guys, let me know if this is, if this was it, then, then energized Spider-Man was the one. But if, if you guys can think of any other Spider-Man figures that were even similar that came out in the late seventies, early eighties, that could be what I'm thinking of, then hit me up at phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group and uh, drop a line there. Do whatever you got to do. Let me know what the heck toy am I talking about. All right, that's enough. It is time now for Ryan Cadaver and award-winning Bobby Nash to join me live in the Phantom Zone to talk about your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. First of all, I super appreciate you guys coming over uh, for, for the listeners. This was not going to be a live in-person discussion, but Comcast has utterly shit the bed. And despite their app, which if you follow Phantom Troublemaker, or I guess it's Phantom Troublemaker or whatever on Instagram, I <laughs> uh, put up a picture earlier of the Comcast app telling me, your problem has been solved, thank you, after literally nothing happened and I still, at 9 o'clock at night, have no service. So, uh, so uh, our guests today, who are incredibly awesome, drove all the way down to the Phantom Zone to sit here and talk about Spider-Man. So, uh, everyone, please welcome to the Phantom Zone, first of all, award-winning author Bobby Nash. Hi there. Sorry, I'm over here getting, like, licked. Uh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Otis hasn't Hi, seen Otis. Bobby in, in quite some time. He's very excited. Hi. And uh, on the other end of Mr. Otis, the business end, shall we say, uh, Ryan Cadaver, uh, a regular here, welcome back. How's it going? Glad to be back. Glad to talk Spider-Man. Yeah, we so we have a new Spider-Man movie coming out. Uh, well, tomorrow I'm uh, we're going to see it tomorrow. Yep. Ryan, are you are, is it on your it. schedule? Oh, you've already seen it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so we're not going to discuss that at all. That's right. The, oh, yeah. the celebrity gets too early. I will, I will <laughs> make sure that I if I if we do talk about it, I will talk very little about. Well, it. we we've got so much other Spider-Man to talk about oh, yeah. that we won't even get to that. But yeah, me, uh, the three of the four of us in this room, uh, me, Bobby, and Mr. Otis have not seen Spider-Man yet, so, or Spider-Man Homecoming yet. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it may well be. We'll find out. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, that, it's, it's, it looks pretty packed. So, uh, But prior to that, we have, what, 1963, yep. I think, is when Spider-Man first came on the scene. Mm-hmm. So we have quite a few years of Spider-Man to discuss before we would even touch on Homecoming. And what I want to do is just kind of talk about our personal experiences with Spider-Man, how we came across the character, our favorite media, our favorite comics, whatever the case may be, 
you know, what Spider-Man is to each of us. And to me, uh, my earliest memories are split between two things, because I don't know which one came first. Uh, there's the 1967 cartoon with a very simple animation and the theme song that everybody on this planet could sing along to. Even if they'd never seen the show. Exactly. Uh, and a Spider-Man Mego action figure. Uh, I was born in 76, so this stuff was had all been around for a minute. Uh, when I was born, but I, I had that old Spider-Man Mego with the the little tiny hands uh, and the like weird sleeves, uh, and and he was one of my constant companions everywhere, even uh, over Batman and Robin, because Spider-Man was just one guy. Yeah, if I wanted to bring Batman and Robin, it was both of them. Did there was like no it? separating. Yeah. yeah, whereas if I could only bring one, it was Spider-Man, uh, and then the cartoon. Which was my introduction to all of his villains, uh, to, to the way that, to his humor, the way that Spider-Man talked, everything about the character, that cartoon was the first thing that I experienced. He was, that was the voice in my head when I read the book, the comics yes. for so many years. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and honestly, uh, to, to this day, it's probably, I'd say it's maybe an amalgam of some different voices, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's more that one yeah. than, than any other. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you guys? What was your first, uh, well, Bobby, what, how did you discover the webhead? Well, uh, reruns of the cartoon. Um, I was born in 71. Um, and it, they would play after school or during the summer or during the day. And you'd come home and I remember it was, uh, it was one or two of them back to back. And that was really, oh my God, I love this, this character. But the very first comic books that I owned, and I think we've talked about this before in another episode, the very first comics that I owned, that I went, I want those. Mom, can I have those? You know, like a hundred times before she said, here, shut up. <laughs> um, remember the old three packs of comics that you would find in the, oh, yeah, in the yeah. checkout aisle? Yeah. We were in a store. And, and the middle one was always a crapshoot. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> it was usually crap. I, I remember yeah. those, yeah. So we're in... The old store Zayer, which yeah, nobody knows what that oh, is. Oh, I remember okay. Zayer. So I, we're in there, and it was always, you, you're right, the middle one was a crapshoot, but you usually it was rare to see the front and the back when you could see the cover that it was the same character. Usually it was a, a Captain America and a Hulk and then whatever was in the middle. And on this one, there were two Spider-Mans. And I could, you know, and you'd peel them apart to kind of, and then, ooh, there's another Spider-Man inside. And that's the only time oh, I've ever seen that. Oh, man. I've only, I've seen three of the same, not only the same title, it was three consecutive issues. Issues 192, 193, and 194. And I, I, never, no, I've never seen it again. No, no, not at all. And, and I devoured those books. I, I credit those books with, making me want to write comics. So, if you love the fact that I write comics, thank Spider-Man. If you hate the fact that I write comics, blame Spider-Man. Um, but I still have those books today. I've, I loved them, but and I was hooked. Between that and the cartoon, yeah. I was like, I want more of these. I think on that episode, which was probably 150 episodes ago... <laughs> Uh, I believe that was the one where you explained to us that originally Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four's costumes were black. Yes. And not blue. Yes, Spider-Man was red and black for the longest time. If you go back and look at those early Steve Ditko issues, he is clearly... that first first, uh, cover. Oh, yeah. He's clearly wearing a black suit with its blue highlight. Right, yeah. Right. And 
the reason it stopped, I don't know the, the exact reason, but around the time it stopped, there's an old, there's a story that goes around where, you know, they were trying, you know, the artists were wanting more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ditko and Kirby especially being the guys behind the bigger of the books they had. And it was like, we want more money. And the publisher said, draw faster. <laughs> draw faster. You can draw more pages. You can make more money. And around that time, costumes got simpler. Ditko stopped putting all that black in Spider-Man's costume. Spider-Man's costume became red and blue. Yeah. Uh, things like that. You know, Jack Kirby started doing four page, four panel pages instead of six. Right, right. Yeah. So, that's one of the stories I've heard right. of why it's, it, it became red and blue. And then, yeah, the Fantastic Four, when they changed from the blue with the black belts and black boots to the white, it was white and black with blue highlights. So. Yeah, I was always, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I would see things uh, like Superman's black hair with the blue in it. And I'm like, does Superman have blue hair? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird choice, yeah. stylistically. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. at the time, you're dealing with a limited number of colors and yeah. and, and the way yeah. they were done. It was just, yeah. you know, that was it. it made and now I, I love the way all that stuff yeah. looks. Oh, right, I know. It, yeah. right, it would have looked odd to leave it just white. The highlights oh, yeah. white. Because sure. then yeah. it would look like they're white-headed. Yep. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. And, and it like would have made, yeah, it would have made him look a lot older, and yeah. So, so Ryan, mm-hmm. what about you? Where did you discover Spidey? Uh, so if I had to guess, I would say. Well, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, the, well, the we '90s cartoon. Okay, that's yeah, what yeah. I was going to guess. Yeah, that was first for sure. Like where I started out because I was watching that and the X Men one and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love all that stuff. Um, and I grew up around toys. One of my best friends owned uh, his dad owned a toy store. Billy's, Billy's toys. toys. Billy yeah, has. And, uh, uh, been mentioned on the show. Would never do an interview or anything for the show. <laughs> really? I, yeah, he's not an interview type. No, no. At all. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I constantly was like, you know, I'd help out at the shop or just, you know, help out whatever they need, go to conventions with them. So, like, I was always around the toys. So, like, I saw the cartoon and the toys before I got into the comics at all. Okay. So, um, and then when I got into the comics, it was during the Maximum Carnage stuff. And when that stuff came out, I could not get enough of it like it was anything that had carnage on it maximum carnage venom like i just buy it like symbiotes like if you even remotely like a symbiote like i buy all that stuff i was just hardcore into it well and that's <laughs> what the 90s were so good at though they did uh, over everything else marvel understood that marketing synergy yeah. that like all right we've we've got something that's caught fire it's time to brand everything we can with that, oh yeah, thing. that was they're like great... people like Venom. Let's make Carnage. He's red yeah. Venom. You know? yeah. yeah, but it was yeah. a great time. <clears throat> it was a great time for things like toys. Oh yeah, I remember because I remember they were doing toy lines for the show, toy lines for the con. So, oh yeah, so whatever whatever Every version that happened, they'd have a toy line. Yeah, whatever yeah. version of those characters you liked. Yeah, and they were not bad toys. I mean, there's no for nice... the time they were great. And yeah, there, there's stuff that. uh you know, I, I hate, it's one of those old man things where I had all of those Toy Biz figures. Oh, yeah. Because even yeah. though I was older at the time, uh, I got hooked back in. I collected Ninja Turtles. I had probably a couple of years where I wasn't really buying anything. And then that first Toy Biz Wolverine with the spring-loaded claws yeah. came out. Yeah. And, man, that, w- that was it. From then on, all that Toy Biz stuff, man, the X-Men, the Spider-Man, and the Spider-Man... Oh. 
those toy lines because they got insane with those. They did the uh, like they did symbiote lines yep. that yep. were all like crazy ass venoms done by some of the art asylum guys who are some yeah. of the best toy designers in the business mm-hmm. got their start working on some of those crazy ass like mutant venoms and stuff as a matter of fact I've got this isn't going to do the listeners any good <laughs> but you guys oh man I love oh, that. I had that one this, this line uh, and I'll, I'll put a picture of this up on Instagram so the listeners can see it uh, but it's this crazy venom that I, I still don't know what it's from. It's probably planted. The, well, it's not planted in the symbiote. There's a, there's so a monsters line. Uh, there was a werewolf uh, Wolverine too. It almost looks like. See, line. I think this one was from something that was very specifically about the symbiotes. Okay. Because I also have another one, and I can't remember its name right now. It looks like something out of Evil Dead. Yeah. It has fur. Around the bottom okay. and the top of the head is this crazy like cow skull thing. Okay, I'll sh- it's in the yeah. other room. I don't have time to grab it, but I'll that show it almost, to you guys later. That almost looks like uh, the venom, venom or venom, venom ran afoul of the aliens. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's it definitely got some of that in yeah. it. Uh, but it's it's insane, and this is the stuff. You know, you, you think back to toy business figures and like, oh, they're pretty basic and simplistic. Maybe nine nine to twelve points of articulation. Yeah. They'd have a little action feature. But it also, you know, once McFarland started coming into the market, they they adapted and started putting out some crazy interesting stuff. Well, you also got, because of the popularity of those, I got to buy a Spider-Woman yeah. figure. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got to get characters that normally would not have gotten a figure. Yeah, for sure. Because they were, they were throwing whatever character they could at the... Out there oh yeah, they, I mean they made sell. like tarantula, and mm-hmm. I, I swear there's a paste pot Pete out there somewhere. I mean that 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 toy line was incredible, and, and because of the success of the cartoon, which by the way, uh, the showrunner John Simper Jr. was on episode 110 of the Needless Things podcast. Uh, awesome, actually. And he yeah, it was awesome. He's a great guy. I need to wow. have him back on to talk about. So he's writing the Cyborg comic now. Oh, nice. I need to, I need to have him back on to talk about that's that. Super cool. That was an incredible series. I, I did. No, that show is so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the way that they they did it as like season long arcs. Yes. Oh very, yeah. Very well done. Very uh, beautiful art. You know, I love the fact that Joe Perry from Aerosmith does the theme song. And yeah, you know, it's just cool stuff like that. It yeah, was, actually, to, yeah. Well, I probably shouldn't say this, but yeah. Well, it was it was once I got off work today, I watched uh, like almost all the Maximum Carnage stuff, like yeah. front to back. Like, I would like to see them put out a complete set of those. Oh, it'd be great. It's, I have uh, the, the I have the individuals where they. Released them in chunks, storyline, not whole storyline. Oh yeah, but, I know what you mean. Yeah, but I'd love to just see like a full series of that. Really, like a secret yeah, just a box set. And, but, yeah. yeah, yeah, just put it out. And and the thing is, uh, you know, people would go for it, especially now. We got a new Spider-Man movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Oh, Why yeah. is this not happening immediately? This would be the time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but maybe they're kind of holding back and waiting to see what the reception is here, or what the demand. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but let's go back a little further. Because uh, we, we the 1967 cartoon, very simplistic, but everybody mm-hmm. knows it. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, and, and spawned countless memes. Oh yeah, Spidey on the train tracks, yeah. you know, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, my was my my body is willing or whatever mm-hmm. is, is one of them. Well, there's some very mind trippy episodes in there too. Yeah, it was, especially well, that it was, third season. I mean, it was it's, four years after yeah. the character was created, so Ditko's influence is very much there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that that '60s weirdness is in full effect, and and the funny thing is, as a kid, uh, 
you know, I just watched it and I was like, okay, this is what cartoons are. And I didn't really think too much of it. Yeah. And now, like, like the Mysterio episodes are just insane. Oh, uh, dude. Yeah. I know. I've watched a few of those in Mysterio. He's like one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. He's yeah. So cool. Yeah. I wish they'd do him in a movie. It, well, and I, I don't doubt that it will happen. Yeah. Because in, in talking about Homecoming, uh, th- something that has been said by Marvel is, you know, we, we've seen certain characters on film mm-hmm. and while someday we'd like to get back to them there's so many other characters that deserve attention and that we can use because Spider-Man's got one of the richest rogues galleries I think he does in he's comics. my third favorite he's yeah. Batman Flash and Spider-Man oh interesting yeah. I, I go Batman Spider-Man the only reason I don't put Flash in there is because I'm just not as familiar with Flash yet. Yeah. I mainly know him from the Justice League cartoons. Uh-huh. I'm catching up on some of the 90s comics now. I'm reading yeah. the Jeff John stuff, the Mark Wade Dude, that stuff. that Jeff John stuff is so good. Well, and that's where... And Mark Wade stuff's great. Yeah. I think the Jeff John stuff is where the rogues really started oh, yeah. sort of gelling more as a, oh, we need to take these villains seriously, too. Like yeah. kind of coming into their own, but anyway, this isn't the Flash cast. <laughs> uh, another thing that was going on—I don't know why I didn't put a date on this in my notes. And for the listeners, uh, me and Ryan both have pages of notes. Bobby does not need notes because they're all in that—they're <laughs> all, all in that magnificent head of his. Uh, but we actually took down notes for this one. That's how much we cared. Uh, but around the same time, I think it was around seventy-four, maybe, is Spider-Man on the Electric Company. Now, Bobby, oh, yes. I know you. Know oh, this, yes. Ryan? Have you I'm seen any of these? No. Oh, are, you, are you familiar man. with the Electric Company at all? It's Sesame Street on acid. Let me paint a picture for Please you. Please do. I have no idea. Do you? Are you, real, you know, real, real quick? Like, let me let me set the stage okay. real quick, Bobby Nash, before you launch into your exposition. All right. <clears throat> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Do 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 do. All right, Bobby, hit it. Okay. Are you familiar with a little-known actor named Morgan Freeman? Absolutely. Imagine Morgan Freeman in a 70s pimp suit. Okay. I'm with you. Okay. Sounds pretty awesome. And a Spider-Man live action who does not speak, except every once in a while a word balloon will pop up with a photo or a picture in it. Huh. So is a kid's show? It's a kid's show. Okay. It's a 70s kid's show. Interesting. Morgan Freeman played Easy Reader. I, I after this is over, I'm looking look it up. up. Oh, I am. It's awesome. <laughs> Easy Reader was the pimp guy. He said, well, Easy Reader, that's my name. And, this and that's as close place, as I get to singing. This all took place on, like, a street yes. that was very visibly a built set mm-hmm. for a children's show Oh yeah, in the daylight. But this live-action Spider-Man would, like, he would leap in, and you would see the comic panel. And he would leap from comic panel to comic panel with other people from the electric company like Spider-Man help me and he would show up and go and like well, I'd put his finger up there and you'd see the word balloon with whatever he never spoke it was just word balloons with photos or, or artwork and That's then he would have a quick he would have quick little adventures yeah. you know nothing fancy just it was like a variety show it was, it was, it was like I mean, it was like, it was like Sesame Street, Street. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but like edgy edgy edgier, edgier because yeah. that's overused now yeah it but was, in the seventies, it was certain. It was not a PC type thing. Yeah, you know. Whereas, like Sesame Street was on PBS, where they had, uh, you know, they had to to fall under. It was very guidelines. genteel. It was, whereas yeah. Electric Company, 
uh, you know, Spider-Man might show up on the street and Morgan Freeman would be like, Spider-Man, what up, blood? And like, like, very different from, you know, Sesame Street where you'd have, uh, uh, I can't remember the, uh, Marvin Melvin, I can't remember his name, but he was like, well, hello, Bert and Ernie, how are you today? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's yeah, very, different. Yeah. yeah, 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 a little and more casual. But yeah. those are awesome. You need to look those up. That's awesome. But they also spawned, Marvel produced a, a, a tie-in comic called Spidey Super Stories. And they would do the same type of adventures in there that would see on the show. What's very important about Spidey Super Stories is that's where Thanos is in, 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 uh, introduced. What? I didn't know Whoa. that. Thanos shows up in a Thanos helicopter with Thanos written on the side of the helicopter. And it, it's, it's awesome. Oh, I hope that's that amazing. That's that would be the greatest. <laughs> if they just took a total left turn yeah. and they just got wacky as <laughs> shit. Oh man, but that would be great. Absolutely. I, I guarantee you, you you will love these. Just and they're probably all over you. I'm sure they're on oh, YouTube. Yeah, sure. well, I can't see. I can't remember what channel the Electric Company came on. That I don't remember. Um, I mean, but, it had to be something comparable to yeah. PBS. I used to watch it in the mornings before I went to school. Yeah, I, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Well, I remember here we, here in the Atlanta area, we had two PBS like sh- channels. We had we did didn't we, we had eight and thirty eight and thirty. At least what it was. Oh, you're right. So one I, was I, like WPBA, maybe? Yeah, and one was... And one was PBS. S- yeah, something And like one had like 321 Contact, The Great Space Coaster, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Wit... No, Mr. Wizard was Nickelodeon. That's the, yeah. Uh, but anyway, like, yeah. yeah, Electric... Spider-Man on the Electric Company. Yeah, I, was that just like a weird Marvel... Like Marvel was just like, hey, let's throw this in, in there because it's like Spider-Man? I guess so, yeah. Because yeah, the rest... I mean, none of the rest of the program had any comic books. Nope. St- there was animation and stuff. And, yeah. and actually, the one, two, three, four, that thing yeah. was uh, a pinball. It's this crazy-ass, like, super 70s yeah. animation. Okay. As yeah. a matter of fact, once you look that... If you look up Electric Company pinball, uh, you will see that that animation inspired tons of shit that you've seen now. Well, okay. it, it's very much like a mixture of PBS and like the Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, but there, okay. there were, but yeah, that was yeah. that was my first live action look at Spider-Man. Seeing yeah, Spider-Man yeah. not in a cartoon. And he looked good too. And he, like yeah. the costume was solid. It was good. And they had a stunt man because like I said, he didn't have to, and he wasn't really acting. So there was a live action Spider-Man show. In the 70s. And that's coming What up. a tremendous segue. Ah, Alright. 1977. Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, and see, I don't, I remember watching these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember seeing what basically looked like, like a wadded up fishing net <laughs> shooting out of this guy's wrist. No. For the time, for the time, it looked pretty cool. The stories were awful. Yeah, it, it suffered. It suffered from the same problem that all superhero shows in the '70s suffered from: no supervillains, mm. no nothing that really well, needed Batman, a superhero to fight. 60s, yeah, right. But you know, but anything in the '70s. In the '70s, it was all these weird like. Military guys, guys and in, environmental yeah. disasters yeah. Yeah. and shit. Because they had the Captain America show where he, you never saw a Red Skull. No. Yeah. You never saw Arnim Zola. You never saw, any, like, mm. it was always yeah. corporate bad guys. 
Yeah. And, and even a lot of the comics at the time were like that, too. Yeah. Like, a lot of the Green Arrow and Green Lantern stuff was like... Yeah, it was all piece, starting like, to... It was all shifting. It yeah. was, like, well, all very reminiscent of Vietnam and all that. Yeah, late yeah. 70s and in the early 80s on TV... Men in business suits were villains. It's yeah. like all villains wore suits. Yeah, yeah. And maybe one of the reasons I don't like wearing ties because yeah, I grew up those <laughs> are the bad guys. <laughs> um, but this, I, I don't remember a lot about the '70s show. I did watch an episode because I think you can find them on YouTube and whatnot. Sure, you find a few months back. I watched one just because I ran across it and watched part of, or it was bits and pieces of it, and. For what they were able to do at the time, special effects wise, it's not bad. I mean, this stunt guy is running along real rooftops in New yeah. York City. Oof. He's climbing. Now he didn't leap from building. Right, I mean, right, he, right. He tight walk. He tightrope walked. I bet there was a whole lot of. He's running. He's running. He gets to like the edge of something and starts to jump, and then it cuts. Yeah, and then and it cuts back in with him like uh, tumbling uh, onto the. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of shots of him coming to the corner of a roof and stopping. Yeah, yeah. And the camera would. So yeah. you knew he were on a rooftop. Oh yeah. my god! And yeah, the 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 webs. He, he would either shoot one that was just a rope. Or yeah. he would shoot one, and suddenly it's like a net. Yeah, I yeah, remember the were, net. Those really were your very options. Yeah. clearly, and it didn't look spiderwebby at all. Like no, it looked like a fishing net. <laughs> yeah, there was no swinging, swinging from webs. There right, none right. None of that. Wow, he that would have been hard to do. They yeah. did. They did do the climbing up the walls. Clearly, he's on a harness because he's he's barely touching. Yeah, the walls. yeah. Well, I figured they would turn the camera the wrong way. He's they didn't do it Batman no. style. Yeah, they, yeah. They, it's totally yeah, not, until Bobby said it. I didn't remember, but you're right. He's, he's just like doing this thing. Yeah, because he's clearly outside a real building, but he's moving so fast and just his legs and feet. There's are, no there's no traction no. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. That's it was just awesome. something it was just awesome. doing it. Yeah. Just, just waving the arm so it looks like he's crawling. Like dudes, like, <laughs> we, it, <laughs> if, if I can hunt one, because they, th- what they did is they turned them into feature length films and released them in Europe as movies. Kind of like they did Doctor Who here. Right, exactly. That's exactly right. So I, I might need to track one of these down and, and Bobby will have you over to do a commentary okay. for one of those. Um, I, I remember, and this, this is the memory going here. I remember it started Nicholas Hammond. As uh, Peter Parker, he was one of the Von Trapp kids in Sound of Music. Okay. The only other thing I know he's been in, he guest starred in an episode of Magnum P.I. Couldn't tell you anything else, Nicholas. <laughs> he was an okay Peter Parker. He looked the part. Yeah. Not a great actor, but he looked the part. Sure. And and everybody goes on about J.K. Simmons as as J. Jonah Jameson in the movies as for what is, that are playing here in the background. Yeah, right, right. And and. Not to take anything away from J.K. Simmons because he is awesome, but the, the J. Jonah Jameson in the t- in the seventies TV show is pretty awesome Perfect. too, and it's played by Robert something shit. I'm sorry, he, he I forget his last name, but he he also played a general on Mash a lot in the early days. Um, I totally Robert Simon. I totally his name. I was, <laughs> I was just waiting to see yes, if he did. Robert Simons. <laughs> and um, he was a really he didn't look the part. But he acted the part. Okay, okay. And so, but yeah, so it's it's worth watching just to, for a little bit for the stunts. Oh, it yeah. did not last the whole season. Oh wow! Yeah, it was not around very long. It um, crashed and burned pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, the next the world wasn't ready. The 
the next thing to me, and and one of my if I if I had to list my top five Spider-Man uh, representations, which maybe is the way we should have done this because this is going to go long. Uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yes, and right before oh. that, there was a there was a just a Spider-Man. Yeah, there was film. a solo Spider-Man show. Same actor, same yeah. studio, yeah. same you know. I think one. I think it was Spider-Man first, and then they just started doing Amazing Friends. Yeah, and, and it's it, one right after that. And I only know that because I was I, when I was actually trying to get my dates and everything, and make sure I, I hit on all the stuff that I enjoyed. Uh, I just saw it mentioned that it was a Spider-Man solo cartoon first, and I don't remember that at all. And I can't. I, I can't. I certainly haven't seen any since it was on. If I saw any, the beauty of those shows. They were fun. They were those Hanna Barberas. Yeah, they don't like the Super Friends. They don't quite hold up as well. But one thing that those shows did for me as a fan, it introduced me to a whole lot of the Marvel universe I was not familiar with, uh, like Dracula. Yes, or Dracula freaking kidnaps Firestar to make her his wife. That's awesome. And. Peter and Bobby, Iceman and Spider-Man, mm-hmm. have to hitch a ride to Transylvania outside of a plane. They just straight up sit on the wings of a plane flying from America, from New York to Transylvania to go rescue her. Yeah. It's amazing. This episode is one of my favorite episodes of a cartoon ever. And in the same episode at the beginning, the high, or the college is having a costume party and people are dressed up as like, Hawkeye and Captain America mm-hmm. to all the other Marvel characters oh, like, wow. at this costume party. This show was the first animated appearance of the X-Men. Okay. That's right. Because oddly, yeah, Firestorm, Firestar, or Firestar, yeah, not Firestorm, yeah, Firestar, Firestar, who was a new character created just for the show, and Iceman were both X-Men. Mm-hmm. And so there's a family reunion, like a reunion. Yeah, they do an Spider-Man episode. tags along. And it's all the X-Men. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. It's a great... That's I awesome. mean, the, these episodes, they're all... It's so odd because you'd think going back and watching them, they're, they're are, they are certainly products of their time. Yeah. But the storytelling, it's simplistic, but it's really good. Nice. And when they bring in new characters, you immediately know who they are, what they're about, and they have, within the context of that episode, they have an arc. Yeah, like, it's really, really good, even though it's an action cartoon. It was good stuff, man. Yeah. And I always loved the music. The voices, because they always they, there was a, they had a limited voice repertoire. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's five people doing every voice on it, you know. Yeah. But um, the beautiful, wonderful vo- you know, music on those, yeah. those Hanna-Barbera shows that... I, you know, I can hear it in my head as I'm doing it. Yeah, so can and, I. I. I can. I'm not going to try and hum it or anything. And but oh, that was also where you got to know who Stan Lee was. Yes, because Stan Lee would enter. I remember Saturday mornings they would do it. It was Spider Man and his amazing friends and the Incredible Hulk back to back. Yeah, they had oh, a Marvel like power, yeah, power hour or something. That's awesome. And yeah, at the very beginning of it, there would be Stan Lee live action with. Welcome, true believers, and he would go into his spiel about what we're about to see. And then during the cartoon, he would—he, I, I feel, didn't he do? He, he would do he little drawings like, "Uh oh, true believers, yeah. it looks like Peter's in trouble this time." Yeah. Like it was this <laughs> amazing commercial break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at the beginning, like I remember episodes would begin with like, 
Stan Lee here. Have you ever wondered what would happen if Spider-Man caught a cold? <laughs> and right, then right. go into the episode. Not, not really, but... But, you know, <laughs> but I'm in. You're yeah, Stan okay. Lee. I mean, yeah. But I think that's where to you made the, the, the quote-unquote cult of Stan began, because now we had a face. Yeah. That was the first time I knew someone's creating this stuff. Yeah. He was brilliant at making himself omnipresent in Marvel products at the mm-hmm. time. Oh, yeah. More so, and, and, and it's weird because Spider-Man is Marvel's biggest name, period. Mm-hmm. End of story. But yeah. to me as yeah, a yeah, kid. I was, I was like, I was like, maybe, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're dead right. Yeah. Which is why... You know, Marvel Studios and Disney worked out whatever deal they worked out with Sony to get him back. You gotta have him. Right. Uh, but as a kid discovering the various Marvel properties, Stan Lee was always there. Mm-hmm. When you opened up the comics, his face was in the bullpen. Yeah. He was writing his comments. Every, yeah. every Everywhere. comic. Page one of every comic. The first word you read, if you read it left to right like everybody else, Stan, Stan Lee, Lee presents. presents. Yeah. Yep. So you so, knew who Stan, Stan, and to a lot of people, Stan was doing everything, you know, because they didn't know. But right, I mean, it's, right. He was the face of Marvel. Well, and the thing is, and people like to, to uh, talk kind of poorly about him in retrospect, but the fact of the matter, matter is, he was the glue. Yeah. If not for Stan Lee, Marvel would not be what it is now. There's yeah. no way around that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sure, he may have allowed more credit to be attributed to him than was deserved, but at the same time, he put himself in the position to where that could happen. He was, import- he was important mm-hmm. enough yeah. to where that did happen. Yeah. So he did, whether or not he actually did as much creative work as he was attributed with at any point, he worked hard enough to get himself in a position where he could be attributed with that work. Right. Yeah. And that is, you know, that's a whole other kind of impressive and work rate and dedication. Yeah. So, you know, regardless of, of what he did, or how he did it, he deserves the notoriety he yeah. has. Yeah, and yeah. he was he was a mastermind. You know, he would think oh, of yeah. stuff. You know, like Spider Man. He's like, oh yeah, totally. What's popular? Teenagers. Yeah, mm-hmm. teen- oh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's do this. Yeah. You know, Spider Man. He, yeah. he had, like, we can't call him Spider Boy. We'll call him Spider Man. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> he had magic. Yeah. He had magic. He knew what sells. You know, and there was something. To, I mean, I don't know why I made Stanley tell like a. 1940s gangster boy. <laughs> well, I, I think yeah, at the yeah. time it probably, it probably did. Yeah. Sure, I feel like that's accurate. Well, I mean, there was with you yeah, know, and I'm sure we could probably do a whole whole podcast on Stan and, and his stuff too. But you know, if you look at it, because a lot of people you know say, oh, you know, the the artist should have got more credit, and I, I agree, the artist the artists were very important. But there was something magic that happened with that the grouping, yeah, like. Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko on their own still did good stuff. Yeah. But they never quite reached the heights they did when they were teamed with Stan. Mm-hmm. Conversely, Stan writing without those guys. Yeah. Never quite reached the heights he reached working with them. And it was, Ditko did the inking? Ditko was Spider-Man. He did all the art. He did all the art? Yeah. And okay. and the, later there was inkers brought on, but at the beginning it was Steve drew everything. Okay, and and not just for Spider Man. No, he's doing like, Doctor Strange. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But see, in those days too, it, they worked in such a 
this is this is where I, the the credit issue comes in because they worked. In, it's not like now where I type up a script, yeah, give it to an artist or give it to an editor, then do an artist, blah 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 blah. Then it was, you know, Stan and Jack are sitting, or Stan and Steve are sitting in a. It was more of a in a room, and it's, it's the, Stan's like, okay, so for the I'm thinking for the next issue, I want Aunt May to get sick. Peter needs to get her medicine when he runs afoul of some villain that keeps him away from it. Steve would go off and create that story. Yeah. And then Stan would write the script once he got the art and the notes from Steve of what's going on. Well, and it was more of a bullpen to where, like, that would happen. And then somebody else, another creator entirely, might dip his head in and be like, you know what? Instead of having... uh, this guy that's creating the illusions, instead of him having like a cloth mask, why don't you give him a big fishbowl on his head? Yeah. yeah. So, so somebody we've never even Some like heard guy, connected yeah. to Mysterio may have had a huge part in Mysterio's ultimate design. Right. Yeah. But they were just they were all collaborating at the time. And I, I feel like you know I, I feel like that's probably a better work environment than like everyone be like I made this. It, I yeah. Made it's this. it's. Definitely. It was more like a, you know, everyone was just like, I don't know, we just want to put out the best thing we can put out. Yeah, we're having yeah. fun. Yeah. And, and we is, want to create. Yeah. Well, and if you, and to, to your point, look at how much, look at the, the breadth of new stuff that came out in the 60s and early 70s, like new characters. Oh, yeah. Does that the, happen From now? the 80s on, we haven't created near what they created oh, in the first gosh. 10 years. I mean, yeah, especially nothing that sticks. Right. You know? And that, that in itself is a whole other episode because, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's just move on because yeah. I'm going to run but, down a whole '90s mm-hmm. rabbit hole at this point. Right. But, but again, but, but to your point, that that that's where we got to know Stan, and Stan became very important going forward because Stan would, you know, when we got to the '90s cartoon, which is probably what you have next, right? Oh yes, we got to the '90s cartoon. Stan was not opening those with narration, right. but I do remember Stan showed up in that episode. Yeah. So, I mean... And I remember some of the games that came out at the time. Uh, well, it was like early 2000s, I think. Well, we'll I've got, I've got, uh, got that on there? three big games okay, cool. on the list. Well, I know he, there's one he narrates, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we got to talk about the 1994 cartoon oh, uh, Absolutely first. fantastic. Oh, uh, it's great. That was, to me... I mean, there, there, the '90s were an amazing time for animation. But you had Batman the animated series, you had the X Men cartoon, and you had Spider Man the animated series, and those three are, you know, Batman almost transcends the '90s a little bit. Oh yeah. Uh, but X Men and Spider Man are storytelling and animation like we just hadn't seen. Hmm. In that way, oh, and yeah. certainly the best things that Marvel had had done media wise in any capacity. Well, it, it seems like around that time they started. Anime was always our animation was always this thing that it didn't matter who the voice actors were. It didn't, you know. Yeah. It's it. You know, it's you're you're doing twelve voices. You know, you're yeah. doing another twelve right. voices. You know, it's like GI Joe, where you know. There can be six people talking. It's one person. Yeah, when you see Chris Latta, he's got like five credits. Exactly. Yeah. So in the 90s, that's when we started getting these things where it's like Christopher Barnes is yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, Mark Hamill is the Joker. Kevin Conroy is Batman. They started They started getting actors. Yeah. Not th- nothing against voice actors. 
Well, because those the, those are the, they know what they're doing. But it gave us uh, new voices that we hadn't I, been hearing. I think what happened is in the late eighties, uh, and, and I don't know if I can specifically attribute it to this, but it certainly is part of it. Uh, Ducktales mm-hmm. launched and was a whole new level of animation. It launched a whole Disney afternoon that lasted oh, for, yeah. you know, a decade or more. Rescue Rangers, all that stuff. And I feel like at that point, animation became something very different and very special. And for Marvel and, and other companies, rather than being something that they just did to make some money, the, the animation, the cartoons became... They realized, oh, this is another form of storytelling. As opposed to just, we can put our characters in these things and have fun on Saturday mornings. They realized this is a whole new form uh, uh, where we can express stories and creativity. Yeah. I think it got looked at completely differently right around the late 80s, early 90s. Well, and also, when you get to the 90s with Batman or with Spider-Man... They weren't just done and sold into syndication. Batman was done for a the Fox yeah. Network. Yeah, the Spider-Man was done for Spider-Man was Fox, was Fox initially, too? but I or no, X-Men was Fox. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, and X-Men were on the same network. So that, were they? That would have been okay, Fox. so they were Fox, and then they, and then. Batman started on Fox, but then when Went they to started WB. the WB, yeah. the Bat stuff moved over. Right. And that's where we got Superman and then other stuff. Right, right. Um, but I think, too, having, because you were doing it for a network, you had networks getting involved. And yeah. networks were like, this is what we want, as opposed, because they were airing it. I mean, it was really cool because I remember when Batman started, you know, they, it aired at the same time. Once a week, new ones were like once a week, I think, on Fridays or something like that. And, I feel like Batman and, the Animated Series premiered on like a Sunday night at like I, 8. I want to like say you're right. the first yeah. story arc maybe yeah. was was Sundays at 8. And I remember they treated it, they didn't treat it like a cartoon. They tra- treated no, it, it was like serious. A, yeah. Yeah, I remember the ads for it and it was like, this, there's some shit yeah. happening. Yeah. And at the end yeah. of it, it would say, next, next, on the next episode of Batman the Animated Series, and there's scenes from next. It's like, this is a real TV show. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, was, it was treated like it's a... It's not selling, it's not just selling toys. Yeah. And, and I think that, that's definitely Batman the Animated mm-hmm. Series, which we'll have to do an episode on yeah. at some point. Oh, wow. But, uh, but Spider-Man came out around that same time, so I, I suspect. Well, Batman, Batman the Animated Series, which is very difficult to say for some reason, uh, started in 92? Sounds right. Yeah. 90, it was right around the time, it was, I think it started just Returns. before Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, and, which was 91. So I guess it, maybe it was right around 91, 92. Yeah, it was, it was and, right uh, around when that Spider-Man was 94. Yeah. So the impact of Batman the Animated, Definitely had Batman a, the animated series definitely had an impact on it. Which I write all the time and say rarely. Yeah. Uh, but the impact was certainly felt by the yeah. time Spider Man had launched. And, and I think that, and, and if you go back and listen to episode 110 of the Needless Things podcast, uh, John Simper Jr. talks a little bit about how, how the stakes had been raised. Mm-hmm. But what he brought to the format that 
had not been done at that point was those season long arcs that yes. you guys were talking yeah, about. Yeah, and they're adapting, a lot of times they're adapting arcs from the comics. From, yes. yes. You know, which is really cool because you never saw anything like that. Well, the, uh, the X-Men animated well, X-Men, series yeah. essentially adapted the Claremont run. Yeah, uh, very well. Saga. But Spider-Man, honestly, I think Spider-Man did it more skillfully, and I think it's because they were able to see kind of where the X-Men stuff went a little bit mm-hmm. wrong. That's right. X-Men was before Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it kicked it off. Like yeah. that X-Men toy line from Toy Biz yeah. and the X-Men animated yeah. series were, you know, it's funny to think that the X-Men would predate Spider-Man's success. Yeah. But I think it's because to Marvel... They were, if the X-Men failed, it wasn't as big a deal. Right. They didn't want to take a chance with Spidey. Yeah. So X-Men were kind of the litmus, like, well, what can we do here? Because if you remember, which we'll do an X-Men episode at some point. Well, we've already done an X-Men episode. We'll have to do another one. But Pride of the X-Men, which was the just 30-minute feature that had nothing to do with the animated series, was another time when Marvel was kind of like, let's test these waters. And see what happens. Right. Yeah. And see, yeah. you're, you're probably right in terms of Spider-Man here because, yes, the X-Men were not on t-shirts and, and bed right. prints. And right. They, they weren't, uh, they weren't the commodity that right. Spider-Man was. Cause Spider-Man, whether he has a cartoon, a toy line, a movie, whatever, you can put out a Spider-Man shirt and it's gonna sell. Right. There were Spider-Man oh. bed spreads, there were Spider-Man posters. Yes. There was Spider-Man everything because kids who had never read a Spider-Man comic book knew who Spider-Man was. We all know Spider-Man. Like uh, at this point, our from from our generation on, at this point, everybody knows Spider-Man from birth. He is money, regardless of what's going on at the time. And, and granted, we've been fortunate most of our lives to have had some kind of Spider-Man uh, media Absolutely, available yeah. to us, yeah. and, and at the very least. The comic books, uh, which right now, let's go ahead, because we've gotten really into the animation and the television, but we've kind of skipped over the comics a little bit, partially for me, because I didn't get 100% into the comics until a little bit later. I'm sure you were reading Spider-Man comics long before I was. Well, like I said, I picked up those first three, and then I read a... Comic buying was scarce when I was a kid. So those three last had to last me a while. I remember the next Spider-Man I read was one that scared the hell out of me. Oh, really? It was a reprint. Cause remember, Mar- they would do like Marvel Tales, and it would reprint yeah. older. Yeah, issues. yeah. And it's an issue where the Green Goblin is back, and on the cover you can see Spider-Man and the Green Goblin at the top fighting, and at the bottom you see Peter and his friend Harry Osborn arguing. This is. Uh, Norman Osborn is long dead at this point. Okay. This is before he's been ever resurrected. And so there's hints that the Green Goblin's back. In oh, okay. So Spider-Man has tracked him down to this warehouse where he can tell he's somebody's been there. So Spider-Man webs up a hammock in the corner and it just hangs out. And after it late at night, then he hears something. And it wakes him, and he's, you know, and you can see bits. It, it's it's drawn away where you can't tell what's coming. And then there's, you turn the page. This is why I love page turners. You turn the page, and it's a double-page spread where the Green Goblin comes bursting through the doors. And Spider-Man's nice. like, oh, my God, I thought you were dead. And, you know, of course, spoiler alert, it turns out to be Harry. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And 
but but the way they, that was drawn and paced and framed as a little kid scared the hell out of me. Oh wow, that's great! And but it's beautiful storytelling because there's one point because all this stuff's happening. Someone's trying to kill Peter Parker. They're not trying to kill Spider Man. Yes, and so that's where he thinks, "Who knows who I am?" And that's what leads him toward Green Goblin. Green Goblin. There's one bit where Mary Jane Watson has shown up at Peter and Harry's apartment, and Peter and Peter and Harry aren't home. So Peter comes home, and Mary Jane's just sitting in his hallway. And they had been—I guess they had been fighting in previous issues or whatever. And so she takes the key from him and says, "We're going to go inside and have a nice long chat." She sticks the key in the door. And as she turns to unlock it, his spider sense goes off. And he leaps over this beautiful scene where he tackles her as the apartment explodes. And, you know, she's gravely wounded. And so all this shit just keeps happening. And at least that scared the hell out of me as a kid. Beautifully, oh, wow. beautifully That's written. great. Wonderful. You know, and it made me... And just like those first three I got... Took me ten years before I knew what happened next. <laughs> yeah, um, that's rough. So, when I was twelve, jump ahead a little bit. When I was twelve, we moved to we moved from Doraville to Winder, which to people listening that means nothing. Uh, but it's we moved from the city we to the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the first people I met in my new school, I was in the seventh grade. The first people I knew I met were comic guys. Oh, nice. They're reading all these comics. I hadn't, you know, cause at that point, I there was no place around where we lived to get comics. And so I'm reintroduced to comics in the 80s. So that's when suddenly I'm finding the, the Byrne Claremont or Paul Smith Claremont X-Men. I'm finding the, the Avengers of the time. The Spider, the first new issues of Spider-Man I had picked up in a long time, oddly enough, was the, there's this new guy called Hobgoblin, and there's this mystery of who he is. <laughs> oh, wow. And it was just so I like Hobgoblin. Yeah, he was fantastic. like the scarier green, green goblin. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't know who he was, so yeah. that made it even worse. There's yeah. this big mystery they're doing. And so I really got into comics a big way in the 80s. And so started reading. And we were like, I'd buy some, they'd buy, and we'd trade. We were swapping them out and... So we could, we, used to do. yeah. So we could that way we could read, yeah. you know, the whole, most of the lines. Sure, sure. And most of the books, and it was awesome. And so we're doing, we're doing all this. And so I'm. This was around the time, you know, Peter quits. Uh, Peter quits uh, college. You know, much to Aunt May's disapproval. Really, there's an entire issue that's nothing but Peter trying to quit college, <laughs> and it is one of the best issues I've ever read. Oh wow. See, that would have been one that would have been like, oh, this one sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it more now than yeah, I did Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. There's a lot of stuff but, like that. But, I mean, there was other stuff going on. There's all this Hobgoblin stuff in the background nice. going on. and But, he, yeah, it's him trying to quit college and, you know, you have to, he's in the wrong line and sign this, you know, sign this and, you know, teachers won't stop and sign shit. And he, like, the dean won't help him. So he finally gets in. He's like, get him to sign it. And so Peter webs him up in his office when he's got to go to the bathroom so he can't go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I love the issue. But anyways, it's, uh, so I got back so into who's, it. So who's writing these at the time? Do you uh, know? This was Roger Stern. Okay. With art by John Romita Jr. and Klaus Jansen. Is this shooter era or oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So we're still in the shooter era. Okay, okay. We're, we're in, we're nearing, we're, this was John Romita Jr.'s first 
time on. So you're you're and coming up on Secret Wars. Yeah, yes, because he he hadn't changed the black costume. Right. Yet. Yeah. So you're getting close, and yeah, right around Secret Wars, the the art team changed, and then we had Ron Friends, and uh, which what Leaf Brett Breeding, which they they brought a very Steve Ditko feel to the art, which is absolutely stunning. If you ever get a chance to read any of their the Alien Symbiote stuff, see, I, I don't know. And it had to be right around that time because when I started trying to get issues regularly was right around uh, the the black symbiote costume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to say it might have been one of those three packs that got me started. Well, and there were three different spider titles at the time. Yeah, there was what Web of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, and Spectacular? Yeah, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Web Web of Spider Man started when he got the black costume, and yeah. and one of those was one that I was trying to get every issue of uh, because Uncanny X Men by that point had hooked me mm-hmm. and had yeah. me hunting down. I have to know what's happening next, and of course, you know, naturally, a couple other titles get caught up in that net uh, or in that web, if you will. <laughs> uh, but my. And I think it was still a time where you could sort of pick stuff up here and there and, and not be completely left out in the cold if you missed an issue or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I missed those days. But, oh, I know. <laughs> you could find an issue. Like, you'd be like, I don't really, really know what's going on, but... Oh, dude, at, yeah. uh, when we were at the comic convention the other day, well, we left the comic convention uh, because it was just too packed and went to Book Nook on North uh, Hills. That which, one rules. Right. That one's awesome. If if for the listeners, if you're in the Atlanta area and you've not been to the Book Nook on North Fruit Hills Road, it is awesome. Yeah, that one's great. Uh so me and Phantom Jr. went there and, and ended up buy, ended up buying a big pile of comics and toys yeah. from Book Nook and CDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh from Book Nook. Uh which I'll I'll speak at some point about my new obsession with Oingo Boingo. Uh <laughs> but you know, Phantom Jr.'s looking through all these comics, and he's like, well, hey, they've got issue, you know, 173, but they don't have... And I was like, no, no, no. You can just buy that issue of Nightwing. Yeah. Because you it's from, on. like, 88. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. You're good. You'll, They'll fill you in on your, right, with what exactly. you need to know. The comic will open with, thus far, what's happened has... And, and, you know, it may have a cliffhanger, it may not, but you're going to get some form of a full story mm. from that issue. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, when I, you know, obviously, like I said, I had Mego Spidey and I had the, the old cartoon. I've had Spider-Man my whole life. But when I really got invested, and this is, to some people, this will seem very corny. But as we all know, Phantom don't care about corny shit. No. I'll be corny all day long. Man, when Todd McFarlane came on, yep. holy oh, yeah. shit. That, yeah. that was a oh, breath of fresh air, I guess. In it, terms of how was. Spidey was done, he he drew. Spider Man has always looked a certain way. He's been drawn a certain way. McFarlane brought this dynamic pose. Yes, dynamic is exactly yeah. the word that I had never seen Spidey move that way. But my God, it makes so much sense yes. that he does. Yeah, 
you know, where he's swinging and his legs are up here, and you know, or, or and the fact that the web suddenly looks well, like web. Think about the insane detail in that mm-hmm. webbing. My gosh, the way yeah. that Todd McFarlane drew webs is better than the way that a lot of modern artists draw entire fucking mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh, and. So they come on. They he comes on the book with David Michelini is writing it. Yes, uh, David Michelini is also very well known for having written uh, some of the best Iron Man. And stuff. they they start on amazing, right? Yes, yes they're, they're, they okay. they were yeah they were on amazing. Um, started in two late two hundreds. I forget the exact name. Uh, yeah, I couldn't even tell you. Um, but late two hundreds because I know three hundred was a big issue in their run. And, um, so, because Venom was introduced, I think, in 299, something like that. There. Gosh, that's right, I guess. And. I guess the, the symbiote's suit and McFarlane's number one aren't as far apart. Right. As I tend to think that they are. Right. Well, Because to me at the time, if they were two years apart, like, for, for you know, twelve, thirteen year old me, that's an eternity. Yeah, yeah. forty one yeah. year old me, two yeah. years is <laughs> nothing. Because right. yeah. because the symbiote was just his costume for right. a couple of years. Right, yeah. right. And then when they realized people liked it, well, but and they, they wanted well, to go back to the old costume. Well, in the story though, when they realized that the the the, the suit was alive and, dude, and yeah. it was leaching yeah. off Peter's that, like life that yes. issue where they really make the big reveal where. Peter's asleep, and it's it actually reminds oh, me. Well, it reminds me very much of uh, there's a Twilight Zone episode from the revival series from the '90s called The Shadow Man, and it's the Shadow Man that lives under your bed. This kid has a Shadow Man that lives under his bed, and uh, and boy, I'm going off on a tangent, but I have to because I this is one of my favorite episodes of a horror show ever. Uh, so it's, and I'm gonna give away the ending too, so if you don't wanna hear it, skip ahead like two minutes. Uh, but it's the Twilight Zone revival, which are some of the scariest episodes of anything ever. Yeah. Because I was just I the think right I remember age. this one, yeah. So the Shadow Man, this kid's afraid of the dark. Yeah. He doesn't wanna turn the lights out. Uh, and the Shadow Man lives under his bed. He's fucking scared shitless of the Shadow Man. Well, one night, he ends up interacting with him somehow, and the Shadow Man's like, I'm not gonna harm you because I live under your bed. I'm your, I'm your, this, this is my home. You know, shit where you eat, kid. Yeah. Like, basically. So he's like, oh, really? Well, hey, Shadow Man, I'm getting bullied at school, and, uh, it would be really cool if you'd show up at the park and take care of this bully for me, because I'm over it. And Shadow Man's like, ah. And, uh, so the kid shows up at the park at 10 o'clock at night, and the bully's there, and kid's all like, all right, bully, you're about to get eaten by the Shadow Man. Fuck you, bitch. Shadow Man shows up, Bully runs away, and Kid turns around, he's like, thanks, Shadow Man. Shadow Man's like, I'm the Shadow Man that lives under somebody else's bed and, like, murders the kid. And that's the end of the episode. And that, at the time, and I don't know which one reminded me of the other, because Mm -hmm. I don't know which one came first, but seeing the black suit, sentient, Operating on its own, mm-hmm. crawling out of the closet, out the window, yeah. like like you were saying about that Green Goblin issue, it's it legit scared me. Yeah. Like it was like, oh, this is fucking creepy. Yeah. What is going on? And I love the way they wrote it because they didn't just tell us this up front. No, it starts with Peter's just tired. Yes, 
And then when we and finally it makes get sense the that re- he's tired yeah. because he's freaking Spider-Man. Right. He's yeah. out fighting crime all the time. So when we get this reveal, like Peter goes to bed, and the suit, like it almost turns liquid. It almost, almost, it reminds me very much of the the changelings on Deep Space Nine. You know, you know. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember how did he first get the suit. That's what I. Can it was say. during Secret Wars. Secret uh-huh. Wars. Uh, they had had a big. They had a mountain dropped on. Uh, that was, and so all of them's costumes were shredded because you know the mountain dropped off. Oh yeah. Definitely. And so all these characters are in this room, and there's a machine in there that fixes their costumes. Mm-hmm. And so Spider Man goes, "Hey, they're getting their costumes fixed in there." So he walks in there when everybody else is walking out, doesn't say, "Hey, which one of these machines did you use?" He just walks over and pushes a button, and this little black bob comes out, and he goes, "Oh," and it jumps on him and becomes a costume. And he goes, well, it's not my costume, but it works. It's got a giant spider on it. Yeah. Sounds and that, good. that was it. it was, and it produced it produced webbing. It, it created its own webbing. You didn't have to use the yeah. web shooting out of, yeah. the, out of the top of his right. head. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Um, it, yeah, he, it could become other things. He could land in an alley and need to go out in the street, and it would become a suit. Yeah, yeah. So it did what he needed. Well, yeah, because the symbiotes can uh, imitate people, too. Right, yeah. And do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it was, I mean, at the time, and I remember, like, it was such a great thing because he had this cool new gimmick that everybody thought, well, one, you know, we'd been we'd been seeing the red and blue suit for however long. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. the iconic suit. And, you know, when when you get to a certain age, the red and blue suit seems a little dorky. Yeah, and now he's got this cool black and white suit. Yeah, Yeah, and the artists were playing it up with the way they were drawing. Oh yeah, melding into shadow, and the eyes were all big and cool looking. Like it was, it was cool and it was functional. It had this all these new abilities and everything, and then for it to turn on him. Well, slowly it started. It started changing Peter. Peter started getting meaner, more aggressive. Much, much like like Spider Man Three. I was but about to say he started they, dancing more. But they did it better in the comic, <laughs> Way I think. Way better. And but yeah, he started becoming more aggressive. And yeah. At some point, something happens, and Peter realizes something's not right. But as he when he talked, there's this, this beautiful scene though where the well, I think what happened is somehow a scenario occurred where Peter knew. He was at home or at work or something, and somebody talks about seeing Spider-Man out mm-hmm. when he knew he was not out. Yeah. yeah, and that's what triggers. Like he's like, "Wait a minute, yeah. something's not right." Because the yeah. suit, what happened? Peter would go to bed. The suit would come out of the closet yep. and go into him. No, it would actually go, go out on Peter. its own. Yeah. No, no, it would take Peter. Well, at first. it would take him out. Because it needed I, his body at first. I feel yeah, but I feel like it got to the point where it didn't, right? right? But at first, it needed Peter's. Yeah. That's why he was tired. Uh, yeah. So because yeah. there's one where we see Spider-Man swinging through the city, and they do a close-up on him where they cut away the mask, and Peter sounds he's asleep. asleep, right? And so the symbiote is using him to. I got to track and, down those issues. Yeah, yeah. Just talking awesome. about it. All right. So there well, are actually, if you there there are two trades. It's two trades called the Alien. Symbiote, yeah, in two trucks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and and for the listeners, I, I, I hope you guys are tempted to track this stuff down too. But we have to move on. Mm-hmm. As much as Spider-Man came right. from the comics, we've got so much more to discuss. Oh, yeah. uh, 
1994, the same year that John Sipper Jr. Uh, was the showrunner to launch the cartoon, a video game called Maximum Carnage came out. Yes. Now, 1994, I was working in a store called Video Game Exchange, uh, which was a, a front runner to GameStop, and I was working there when Maximum Carnage came out. Yep. And this was the first video game that I was a, was like part of the sales process for because years earlier they had done the Zelda games with the golden cartridges. Yeah. But Maximum Carnage had a limited number. Now they say limited. As far as I know, they produced equal numbers of both colors, yeah. but. Maximum Carnage had red cartridges. Yes, I remember that. And those red cartridges were the hot shit. Let me just tell you. Oh my gosh. Like, people that didn't even care about the game or about Spider-Man were We're buying these things just because this color variation on the cartridge was such a big deal, which Mm -hmm. is funny because it's kind of reflective of comics at the time. Yeah. Uh, Yes, because the Maximum Carnage event comic right. was had a lot of that. Variant covers, and yeah. gatefold, and foil. I love it, all of it. Oh, I like, love, like, hell yeah. Dude, I, to this day, <laughs> yeah. I still love variant covers, and granted, oh, yeah. I think publishers need to kind of calm it down a little bit, because yeah. we don't want the 90s to happen again, but like, I still love, I, matter of fact, I started collecting, anybody that's followed me on Instagram, like I mentioned before, has seen my collection of die cut covers that yeah. I've started going back that's and awesome. collecting again. But I, lo- I love that shit. But yeah, so Maximum Carnage came out. But the most amazing thing about it was not the fact that it came in a red cartridge. It was a, it was a good game. Oh, that too. Well, my thing pl- was you could be Venom. Yes, you could that play as Spider-Man thing. and or Venom. Because yeah. the, full, the full title of the game, everybody just colloquially refers to it as Maximum Carnage. But, it but it's Spider-Man, Spider-Man and Venom, Maximum, Maximum Carnage. Carnage. Yeah. Uh, and now, yes. Now, yeah. in... I'm assuming it's the same car. I don't know the game, but I'm assuming it's the same Venom. Uh, Venom I mean, Teddy Brock. Same, yeah. and, and the uh, Cletus Cassidy. Yep. Is, is, yes. Okay. Yes. And it, 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 just it follows the basically story. basically follows yeah. the story of the comics. Yeah. It, it, it has was, most of the cameos from the characters, like, uh, it's got Captain America in it and Cloak and Dagger and, like, all the, you know. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. it was, yeah. uh, certainly for the time, it was very It was the expansive. first thing I'd ever seen. I like I like that. Like I was like, this is amazing. Like you could summon Captain America and throw yes. a shield and stuff. And I was like, what? This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It, I mean, it was incredible, and it was fun. It was a good, was good. game. Yeah. Uh, and and Spider Man and Venom played differently. They had different yeah. abilities and, and different uh, different levels. You'd want to use the different characters. Yeah. The only complaint I had. Is that like anytime we'd be playing that we'd have to, like me and my friends would have to take turns because you it's like it would have been better if you could have been Spider Man and Venom. Oh sure, of course. Then just fuck shit up. Absolutely. Everywhere. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, the, the, it was yeah. still great. Uh, so yeah, that game definitely noteworthy. Definitely lots of fun. Uh, I'm sure you can find a ROM of it somewhere yeah. Uh, yeah. if you don't have a Super Nintendo or a Genesis sitting around your house. Okay, so apparently the name of the game for this evening is Service Interruptions. Uh, and, and what happened, uh, my voice recorder, finally, after five years of service, the memory got full. Which, I don't know why I haven't been cleaning it out every time anyway. There's just, me, me and clearing memory is just, 
sketchy. I'm always afraid I'm going to lose like the original version of a file or something. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I was, I was afraid it was me because the last time, you, the last time your recorder <laughs> fucked up, I was on the show. Well, and that that one that absolutely was you because there was no other explanation for that, Bobby Nash. Uh, you, you may be an award winning writer, but you're hell on electronic equipment. Don't let me touch it. <laughs> uh, but where we we're, we're going to say where we left off was with the Maximum Carnage video game. Uh, and where we're going to pick up is with the 2002 Sam Raimi movie, which we have discussed once, <laughs> but we're going to very quickly discuss again. Uh, my my biggest takeaway was one: I was I was about as sure about a Sam Raimi Spider Man as I was about a Joss Whedon Avengers, and I was wrong in both cases because to me, Sam Raimi obviously had the style for it but yeah. just we hadn't seen anything up to that point to suggest that he could get that tone quite right yeah uh because a spider-man horror comedy you know and not not so much but as far as i'm concerned he nailed it with those first two movies yeah uh, you can see his style over it like oh, those yeah. slapsticky thing oh dude the, well the to me one of sam raimi's best moments ever as much as i love his horror stuff is the scene uh, where they're trying to separate the arms from Otto Octavius in the second movie. Oh, yeah. Pure Raimi. Oh, yeah. Crazy camera angles, the quick cuts, lots of Dutch angles, yeah. and, like, just the, the shadow. Of the, puppets, right? ah, yeah, it was all puppetry. Which is really cool. Um, probably a little CGI enhancement. Yeah. But uh, that scene is fantastic. That's and that's awesome. Raimi brought two things to the franchise that I think were so important his his style and his love of the character because yeah. he he is a Spider-Man fanatic yeah loves the franchise loves the characters uh and I will say also of that particular franchise that Tobey Maguire and, and I have not seen Homecoming yet Tobey Maguire is the best Peter Parker because there is nothing cool about him at all yeah, that, that last five minutes of the first movie really solidified it for me that not only in terms of him acting the part, but them writing the part. When he walks, when, at the, cause at the end of the first movie, Mary Jane's like, I love you, you know, I'm yours, you know, you win, you got the girl. And Peter's like, I can't. And walks away from her. And I remember I saw it with a group of people from work and they were like, why in the hell does he, you know, he got the girl, why is he? It's like, because that's, that's Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man is the guy that he's, he's the lovable loser. He, he makes this, he makes the right decisions, but he never kind of gets the reward for it. Well, it's, it's that whole dichotomy of him having these incredible powers and still struggling to hold his life together mm-hmm. yeah. because of the responsibility that he feels. Uh, because you know, I th- There's a quote about it. I can't remember exactly what it is. <laughs> yes. mm. It's not a well-known quote. No, no, it's pretty obscure. I'm curious what happened in Uncle Ben's past that that quote is so important to him. Well, you know what? Give them time and we'll have an Uncle Ben television show. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if they want to do Uncle Ben the same way that they do Gotham, oh, I, I'm, I'm all it. for it. He's <laughs> like fighting the vulture. I'm totally stuff. into Uncle that. Uncle Ben fighting the vulture. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm down with that. Uh, so there, there's a note for Disney right there. Um, I was not a fan of Green Goblin. Like I love the suits horrible. I love Willem Dafoe and he's awesome. He he was great. And he was great, but that suit looks so bad. I wish and they, it does not hold up. Yeah, it looks I, even worse now. I kind of wish they had a 
let Willem Dafoe go just a little farther out there. Oh, he could have. He, yeah, he could have definitely. Well, the problem, though, is he had that big stupid metal mask yeah, on his yeah. face. So Power Ranger. when he, you, you get Willem Dafoe, who is this incredible, like, classic Doctor Who level of scenery chewing yes. and emotion. Oh, yeah. And you take that amazing face, you take that amazing ability, and you put it under a fucking metal mask. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah he thought that was a good yeah, idea. Never should. Yeah. That that was a horrible call, uh, and and I don't know if that was to sell toys, and and obviously I understand you can't have a green guy in a purple tutu flying around. Right. I but, get it, but, but makeup on his face something. would have done it. Well, and and in the the more recent movies, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, they did kind of find a way around that with with the, with the goblin being a, a, a sort of a different take. Well, the, the, those movies did the the ultimate Spider-Man right, version, right? Where which he, he actually becomes a. Which you know what? I'm going to diverge real quick so we don't forget talking about it because I still, uh, regardless of what I may think about Bendis in his overall body of work, Ultimate Spider-Man remains my favorite run of comic books of all time. Oh wow! I, oh, I need to go back and read dude, that. Dude, for never read that. sure, I love Bendis. Like he's good. I would recommend if you read them, pick up the trades, or as I read them in the hardcover, which one hardcover is one year for. That's what I got. How I got hooked on that book was Barnes and Noble. They'll do their special like around the holidays. Yeah. Barnes and Noble will have their hardcover, thing? their exclusive yeah. gigantic hardcover collections of various things. And one of them was Ultimate Spider-Man, and I got it. I want to say I paid twenty bucks for the gigantic hardcover. I can tell you what I paid for mine. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a good convention special. I read that thing in a couple of days, yeah. the nice. whole cover to cover, and I was addicted. And from there on out, I had to go. Buy, I had to go buy um, the trade collections, following what I had read in the hardcover, and I think. Maybe four or five of those got me up to date, and then I started getting the single issues, and man, I was hooked. I was yeah. riveted. At first, in a way, you, like, stop. Uh, I stopped when, when spoiler alert, I stopped when Peter died. Yeah, that to me that was right before then. To me, that was the end of the story. Yeah, um, I, I and I liked, uh, I, I like Miles. I like the idea of Miles, but Bendis is horrible. At making diversity and uh, inclusion feel organic. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. time Bendis does something for race or gender or orientation, it feels like a gimmick. It doesn't feel like natural storytelling. Yeah. And I, I, all of that stuff is very important. Because comic books have always been political in nature. Comic books have always been yeah, for sure. progressive yeah. and, and idealistic. And that stuff is, is critical. But you, the storytellers of olden days were able to do those things in a way that served the story. As opposed to, yeah. guess what? Now Spider-Man's black. What? Yeah. Or it, you, which is how Miles' how introduction handled. felt. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you had a... Had a black character in the old days. His name was Black Panther or Black Panther, right? Anta, right. Which was black which was not great. Yeah, but the the way 
it's almost like we're too conscious of these things now. Yeah. And, totally and I understand. Good. We'll get to a middle ground where nobody cares. Yeah. Where nobody yeah. cares what color anybody is, where nobody cares where anybody wants to park their pecker or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's the goal. That's Star Trek goal. Oh, yeah. But right now, everything that Marvel does in that way is is a media event. And it feels like a spectacle. Yeah, it's like, oh, Thor's a girl now. Right. Yeah, yeah. Iceman's gay. Wait. Whoa. Since when? What? Like it, it's all so clumsy. I know. I don't. That I don't it's like, not. I don't like. It well, they don't. They don't. It. There's no buildup. It's no. just there. Yeah, it just it's, pops out so that you know. so that time will do a special story on it the week before the issue comes out. Yep. If if Venom were created today, he we would get the costume in Secret Wars number nine, and we would get the reveal of Venom in that same issue. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Yeah, you're it right. It would not have been a two year process. Which is so crazy because one of my biggest complaints about comics right now is the decompressed storytelling. But you're right. When they actually have an important story point, it's blown. There's no build up. But when they're just doing natural storytelling, what would have taken one issue in 1987 takes eight issues now. Yeah, it's because, you know, there's a, there are shorthands to writing comics where you can go, panel one, we've got to get to Mars. Panel two, we're, hey, we're here on Mars. <laughs> right. Now, that's an issue. <laughs> right, it is. Yeah. Or, or more. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Without complaining too much about modern comics, uh, so the Raimi movies, uh, I, I think... We can all agree that the first two yeah. were pretty damn awesome. I think two is yes. better than one. I agree. Yeah. Well, two. When, when you're looking back and taking them in as movies unto themselves, two is more satisfying. Yeah. Because you're past the origin. Uh, you you know the opening credits are the origin. They have those beautiful uh, Alex Ross art. You're right. Just just here's what happened. Boom. Here we are now, and Peter's. Trying to deliver pizzas, and even though he's Spider-Man, even though he can swing from webs and can has the strength of ten men, he can't fucking deliver the pizzas on time, and he's lost his job. Like, what a beautiful opening to that movie! Like, at the end, he's heroic. He's making the sacrifice. I can't get the girl because I've got responsibility. And you're like, wow, what a man! And then the second movie opens, and he just doesn't have his shit together. And it's, it's, it's glorious. It's yeah. wonderful and great villain. I mean, oh, as yeah. good as Willem Dafoe is, seeing Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus, but one, it was a different villain. It's not a villain we've seen a bunch yeah, of times yeah. already. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. And there's, and he's, you know, he's a villain, but he's not the villain. You know, he's not, he's a, he's a tragic He character. He's a very, similar somewhat to Mr. Freeze in Batman yes, the Animated Series. Sure. There's tragedy involved. Yeah. He has... Uh, you know, what has happened to him has motivated him. And in the end, my gosh, the ending is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sacrifices himself, realizes yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and, and Spider-Man is, is not inactive in it. He's kind of, ins- he kind of inspires him to make that step. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another important aspect is that Spider-Man to the portion of New York that doesn't hate him because of J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spider-Man is inspirational. Mm-hmm. And, and he is a hero. Well, and, and, and in the terms of this movie, which is, which this is where it deviates from the books, Peter and Dr. Octavius, or Dr. Octavius, have a relationship. Yes. So they're able to draw on that personal relationship there as well. And Spider-Man villains, a lot of them have that 
tragic history. The rhino is stuck in a suit he can't get out of. Um, the Sandman, Sandman can't he can't you know do a lot of things because of his condition. right. He's stuck. In, well, and also he's. I, I think it, it is the comics origin. Even is that he's he's basically doing this because there's nothing else he can do. Right. Yeah. And he's trying to support a family because mm-hmm. he just he, he's a loser. He sucks. All he can do is rob banks or whatever. Yeah. You know. And Which is it's funny that my favorite version of the Sandman. There was a period in the late '80s, early '90s, I want to say, where Sandman becomes a hero. He becomes a good guy. He reforms. Uh, the Ben Graham and him become buddies, and Ben helps him reform, and he. Joins uh, Silver Sable and her crew, and they they actually make him a just a really cool character. That creative team leaves, the next creative team in, he's back to being he's just a loser. villain again. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, you got to put the toys back where you yeah. found them. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the third Raimi movie, Garbage. which honestly, not even I mean I don't even really think of it as a Raimi movie because Sony interfered mm-hmm. to such a degree they they yeah. put vil- too many villains in it because of Sony changed the script because of Sony uh it's it's everything uh, about that movie is piss poor it, it, it's are bad story's bad the performances are bad which it's like a lot of the same cast the but, venom suit which is just a, uh, a black version of the spider-man suit just doesn't mm-hmm. look good and they just it's keep doing cool. the face thing which yeah. i realize they did in the comics sometimes too with eddie brock but the way they do it just it, looks dumb not, yeah it's not yeah. cool like like in the comic it's like the mouth opens and the head thing it's like, yeah because cool. yeah, you've got to show topher grace's face yeah. you gotta get that face time in man uh, i hate it uh just i, I it came out 10 years ago and uh i had been with mrs troublemaker for about three years at the time and she didn't go see it with me one because she was pregnant with our son and two because she doesn't like spider-man anyway yeah which is not a deal breaker for me not liking I was gonna batman. say you married her anyway yeah, you're right right not not liking batman would be a deal breaker uh, not liking star wars deal breaker I not liking spider-man I, like I, I can deal with not liking <laughs> spider-man so uh but i called her as soon as I walked out of the movie theater, and my, my first words was, "That was a big hunk of shit." Yeah, and it, it just was. And I I've, I saw it in the theater the one time, and I sat through the whole damn thing because yeah. I just wanted to see what happened. Yeah, uh, and I didn't. I, I'm sort of compulsive with sequels. Was it known that it was going to be the last one when it came out, or no, was no, it? no. Yeah. four was already in production? Yep. Yeah, uh, the four because the rumors for four. Was that uh, Raimi was going to use Bruce Campbell to be Mysterio? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been awesome. That his roles and the other Why ones couldn't that have been three? Were going to go back to he had been Mysterio all along. Uh, uh, and then I can't remember who the other main villain was supposed I to be. Heard Craven the Hunter. Craven uh. would be great. But anyway, four was basically like in pre-production when three came out. Yeah, like it was going to happen. Wow. Uh, and then three was such a nightmare for Raimi. Uh, he wasn't interested. Sony three did not. Yeah, I mean it. It still made bank, but it didn't do as well. Yeah. And I think Bruce said if made Sam a, doesn't do it. I'm not doing oh, it. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Spider-Man three not awesome. And then we uh, we kind of skipped over the video game tie-ins, which Spider-Man one and Spider-Man two each had a video game tie-in from Activision yep. that used the Tony Hawk game engine. Yeah. And were 
just the web swing was great. Bruce Campbell did the tutorials at the yes, beginning. Yes. Uh, and they were just fantastic games. And then that's, uh, Ryan, and I can't remember if this part got cut or if it was included. I think it got cut. I was just thinking about that. I don't you know. mentioned the 2000 Spider-Man game that yeah. was not a tie-in to anything. No, it was just its own story. It was like a weird-ass story, too. It involved Doc Ock, but it also involved the symbiotes, and you had to team up with Venom, and then at the end, like, Carnage and... and oh, man, it was awesome. And Stan Doc Lee Ock, recorded... Yeah, so Stan Lee did all the intros and, like, you know, the tutorials and all that stuff. Right, right. Same kind of deal. And all the narration. And uh, it was really good. I mean, it had, like, Daredevil in it, it had the Human Torch. It was, like, all these cool cameos. And at the end, the bad guy was a combination of the Carnage symbiote and Doc Ock. So oh wow! It was like carnage with arms. Like, See, uh, I know, I know, I never got all the way through that one yeah. because I had a really sketchy history with first generation PlayStation games because the loading time would drive me fucking crazy. Oh yeah, it was bad. Uh, I, and it's actually it's funny because I just started playing uh, Uncharted Four. Oh yeah, and they do a bit with Crash Bandicoot, and yeah, and he's like. Oh my gosh, this is taking forever when it's loading. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I know I played that one because I was working at Video Game Exchange. Or no, by that point I think I was at Electronics Boutique. But, uh. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I still consider it. It's definitely one of the best PS1 games of all time. It, sure. it was fun, but loading drove me nuts. To, yeah. to me, Spider-Man 2, that movie tie-in. No, that, that's that one's great. Spider-Man that was PS2, game. right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I, well, you know what? I think so because, remember, the PlayStation 2 had, had the, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man font. font. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that was, was a, a huge thing. tie-in. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving on. 2008, to me... The best Spider-Man cartoon there has ever been, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, mm-hmm. came out. There was one before that. Uh, oh, you're right, you're right. We, we have to very briefly yeah. mention the 2003 oh. one. Well, I, especially because Ryan had mentioned that he loves Bendis' work. Yeah. And Bendis was the executive producer of the, the show that was on MTV. Oh, was he? Yes, he was involved. You know what? Now that you're talking about it being on MTV, I remember seeing the promos for it, and I remember the animation looking terrible. Very, even very even for the generated. time. Yeah. I know. I remember well, being it, like, it was all CGI. Yeah. yeah, I remember looking at that and being like, that looks like shit. My PS1 game looks better than it, that. It was bad, and the show wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I watched one or two episodes, and that was it. I was yeah. done. Yeah, I didn't stick with it. It, it was just miserable. Uh, and it, it, I don't I don't know if it even got through the full first season. Yeah, I didn't hear uh, But long. what was interesting about it is it was the movie continuity. That is weird. It was the movie continuity, and Michael Clark Duncan, who had portrayed Kingpin in Daredevil, was, was Kingpin on the cartoon mm-hmm. and was the main villain. Weird. So that was so they were trying to save the Daredevil universe in that regard. Right. Very idea. interesting. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, just, yeah. if the cartoon had been good, yeah. it could have been a good it idea. Been cool, yeah. uh, but Neil Patrick Harris was voicing Spider-Man on that one, which is very cool, but yeah. shit show. Complete shit show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so then in 2008, Spectacular Spider-Man, which is very much pulling from Ultimate Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, the comic at the time, and I just love it. Uh, it it does have the long form storytelling that the Ultimate Spider Man comic, <coughs> yeah, but at the same time, you could drop into an episode, and each one had you know you had you had the Eddie Brock story that was kind of ongoing, but then when Venom showed up, he got his episode. Like I I recommend that you can buy the whole series on Blu Ray for twenty bucks or less. 
Nice. And I highly recommend it to anybody. I remember it airing, but I, I didn't keep up with oh, it. Oh, dude, it's so, so good. Nice. Very good animation. So freaking good. The whole animation's gorgeous. It's, it's uh, it's, um, is it Joe Majorera? I think so. Is that, I think it's the same <coughs> person that did the character designs for the Batman. For the Batman, yeah, it's Joe. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it's I think just it's him, yeah. gorgeous, smooth animation. The voice acting is incredible. Uh, I, I can't rec- if you're a fan of Spider-Man, I can't recommend this show highly enough. It is nice. the best, and it broke my heart because it was a casualty of the Disney buyout, much like Avengers: Earth <coughs> Mightiest yes, Heroes, which was a tremendous was awesome. yeah. cartoon. The Disney yeah, buyout awesome. happened, and they brought in Jeff Love, who the kids apparently like what he's doing with. With the current Avengers show and with Ultimate Spider-Man, I don't care for those they, at all. Well, they went a little more kitty than they did than than the the ones we had had before. Because certainly Earth's Mightiest Heroes was there was stuff there for the kids, but it, Earth's it, Mightiest it, Heroes was to me as close as Marvel animation has ever gotten to Justice League quality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and granted, it still wasn't quite there. Right. Yeah, but it was pretty darn good. But it worked yeah. on multiple levels. Yes. As a kid, you could watch it, enjoy it, and you're fine. because it you're was not action packed. Right. As an adult, there were things there were that like, you oh, I can't believe it's back on this. Well, and the characters were so strong. The voice work was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the animation looked great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I really regret that that spe- that uh, spectacular Spider Man and Earth's Mightiest Heroes <coughs> got cut. Short, yeah. The way that they did, because I've I've tried to watch the new ones, and they're just not for me. No, they're all that's what it is. They're not for me. I'm not saying they're bad. They look beautiful. The animation for the Spider-Man show. I don't even know if I can go with you on that one. I like the animation look of the new Spider-Man. It's it's it's, uh, it is consistent, Mm -hmm. but I just uh, the style doesn't do it for me. But yeah, the story the storytelling is just it's I'm not their audience. Yeah. And then and that's exactly what it is. Um, I, I, I think we've already gone past this point in time. We'll look back, man. I, I would like to uh, talk about the Islands of Adventure ride, Spider-Man ride. Do oh please it's do! Awesome. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, uh, I totally glossed over it. Yeah, because that that do ride. It. I mean, um, kind of like you're talking about about seeing the park earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of getting a. We kind of had a similar thing. Like we were at Islands of Adventure. And they were like, you know, hey, this Spider-Man ride's open, and it was either just open or like just about to open. We got to see it early, but yeah, I was blown away, and I'm still blown away every time I ride it. I mean, you walk in to the Daily Bugle, and they got like, you know, just everything looks the way it did in the animated series, very much based on the '90s animated series, like all the character designs and everything. But yeah, it's awesome. It's like the Sinister Six, you know, tearing apart the city, trying to steal the. Statue of Liberty with a gravity beam. I don't know. It doesn't really make much sense, but it's cool because they shoot your little cart and you go flying up in the air. And yeah, it's just fun. And there's actual like fire and crazy shit. I uh, the last time I was at Universal was with Mrs. Troublemaker. Uh, it had to be 2005, 2006, and she wouldn't go on the ride because we had discovered earlier in our trip that gimbal rides are not for her. Uh, which is the rides that uh, move, okay. yeah. like that one does. Yeah, uh, that, so that, they, they do play hell on some stomachs, and and then she, yeah, she can't take them. I went on it three times in a row. It's awesome. It is my favorite theme park ride of all time. I totally agree with that one hundred percent. I could not believe. Well, first of all, uh, I had 
I could at the time I had not had LASIK surgery yet, and I couldn't see <coughs> traditional 3D. Oh yeah, but the 3D in that ride was working for me. Like uh-huh. when Electro was shooting shit, it was coming at me. Yeah, like, it takes those. <coughs> I was like, oh my gosh, is this what 3D is like? This is crazy. And when uh, what is it, Doctor Octopus has like a gravity gun or something yeah, that makes the car go up yeah. and down, and you feel. Everything and oh, you're yeah. going down the side of the building and the web catches you like yeah. it's so impressive. Oh yeah, because it takes you up above the city and you see and I think it's just the walls moving. Yeah, yeah. but you know it feels yeah. Like they're they're rising it's up. literally like treadmills on yeah. either side yeah. with rolls on it. Uh, that little like buildings. Yeah, but it's awesome because like you feel like you're rising up and then he shoots it with like the anti gravity thing and you go and back down. Go, yeah, straight and down. you feel it. You're like oh yeah. fuck! And then right before you hit the ground, the web web. Whoosh. And Spider-Man's like, and you, you totally bounce and yeah. feel it. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. I, I love that ride so I'm, much. I'm so glad you and brought that up. And they've actually recently, uh, last time we were there, they revamped the visuals. So it's still the exact same ride. They just, it just looks a little bit. Yeah, it's a, well, and it's all, that's the thing is like, it's almost all projections. So yeah. they can do, they can update it, they can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's Eventually fantastic. they'll have you in VR helmets riding it. Yeah. Well, it won't even be a ride. You'll yes. just walk into a queue and they'll put a helmet on your head and you'll be like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you won't even do anything. They started doing it with some like roller coaster. Oh yeah, that's right. VR... You go to six, well, Six Flags, I think they're yeah. doing that for... I heard that they're phasing out already. Oh, oh really? Yeah, because they're just having bad luck. We didn't it. even try it. We were like, this is, it, roller coaster's enough. What Little, more do you yeah, need? Exactly. Um, but the other cool thing is Halloween Horror Nights apparently did a thing where, uh, like, they took over Universal and they took over the Islands of Adventure and they took over the Marvel area and had all these villains out there with chainsaws. Well, this is and, and this is stuff. years ago before Halloween Horror Nights, right? Yeah. So this is before Halloween Horror Nights was quite what it is now. Exactly. It was still. In the experimental stages. Mm-hmm. And see, I didn't know about this. I was, like, looking up stuff about the show. And I saw this, and I was like, there was a Carnage-themed haunted house? I'm like, that's badass. That sounds awesome. And then, you know, you start looking into it, and everyone's got all these different stories of stuff they saw in it. Oh, they had a decapitated Wolverine. And so like, that doesn't even make sense. But, you know, stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you find out, you know. Through an anonymous source that worked at Universal, found out that that's not really true. It was just a bunch of like chain link fences and a guy dressed like Carnage. But it's still kind of cool. Well, and it's one of those things that the people that experienced it, like chances are, 2002, 15 years ago, so there are five year old kids experienced it that are 20 now that are writing stuff online. Oh, yeah. That as a five year old kid, maybe you see some guy in a goofy Carnage costume with a chainsaw and in your head, He's cutting the heads yeah. off of Spider-Man and yeah. everybody else. Yeah. So it's one of those things that, like, you, you kind of build onto yourself. Like, it almost built its own mythology. Uh, yeah, I would have loved to have been there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It would have been great. And we, if, if we'd seen it, we would have been making up bullshit, too. Yeah. and uh, It was crazy. They, they even believe. took over the Jurassic Park area. Like, you, we walk around there, and dinosaurs would be jumping out of the woods. I'm like, this sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, they should do this every year, but yeah. they, they don't. Well, and I, I remember things like that. Like... You know, when I was very, very young, hearing about Six Flags, like, oh, if you go through Monster Plantation, there's a monster that grabs you and pulls you out of the boat. Like, shit like that. You know? <laughs> like, you're like, yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. And you're, like, all scared going in. Because that's just how it's like telephone but yeah. with kids. Like, kids just make shit up. Mm. And when you're a kid, well, your you don't have that filter. Really, 
Yeah, absolutely. Your imagination is filling in the gaps. One of the funny things is, so I'm very, you know, I'm very like, especially like when I worked in the haunted house industry, you'd hear stuff like that all the time. Sure. You'd hear about, you know, oh, this this uh, haunted house is 13 floors. If you make it to the top, it's five hundred dollars. Yeah, right, right, right. Yes. But uh, so Sean was telling me, uh, you know, Rab Ranger. Sorry, I probably should have said that. But Rab That's Ranger. okay. We we refer to him as both. Okay, because cool. He he came into this world as Sean. Okay, okay. So well, then I could get away. With yeah. It. So uh, Rad Ranger, Sean, whatever. Yeah, he was telling me about the new King Kong ride, and he was like, he was like, there's like scare actors and stuff in the in the haunt, and he's like, they're dressed like tribesmen, and they jump out and like grab you and stuff, and I'm like, that's fucking dumb, that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, you just heard that, that's stupid. Right, like, right. Oh, I read it on some forum, I'm like, that's dumb as shit. <laughs> and sure enough, we're in the line, and like this guy comes jumping out of a cave and like scared the shit out of us. Oh, he was like, ah, and we're like, oh my god, awesome. Like, Sean's totally right. Oh my gosh, Sean was words, right about some words you very rarely. We like to say, right? yeah, yeah, that's like shocked. the third time we should make a note of it. <laughs> I know. All right, but we got back to Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, back to Spider Man. So, all right, I'm I'm gonna say six words, and I want your reaction, and I'm very curious to see what happens here. All right, Spider Man, turn off the dark. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, lots of injuries, <laughs> Tommy. That yeah, I was, it took me a second to go. Until so he said lots of injuries, I was about to go. What the hell is Spider Man turning off the dark? <laughs> uh, but but yeah. yeah, and you're like, oh, I know. Okay, so for the listeners that you may or may not know, surely you know. Oh yeah, uh, Spider Man Turn Off the Dark was a Broadway production, and uh, <laughs> it was a disaster. Although yeah. it ran for like four years or something. Uh, a different Spider Man every night. It, it was yeah. it was madness. People got hurt. It was a crazy. It was the most expensive Broadway production in the history of Broadway. It was a stunt show and a musical. And Edge and Bono did music for it. It was just madness. Uh, here's the paragraph that I wanted to read about it, and we'll move on. Because it's the whole reason we did this episode. This so is it. All this. I wanted to do was talk about Spider Man. Turn off the door. I'm okay with that because I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> I, I well, I'm hoping because I've got a bootleg. D- Excuse me. I have an import DVD of Evil Dead the Musical uh, that that you get to watch. I hope somewhere out there there's a, an import I think DVD. I saw one of Days of the Dead. Of Turn Off the Dark? I think I did. Because I, I got to see it. Okay. I have yeah. to see it. No, that's perfect. We need to see that. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> on July 25th, 2014, Broadway producer Michael Cole, annou- Michael Cole, like the announcer, crazy, uh, announced that the musical will set out on an arena tour in place of the previous announced production in Las Vegas and would be launched in late 2015 or winter of 2016. So think about that for just a minute. An arena tour of the most disastrous and injury-ridden <laughs> Holly- or Broadway musical ever. <laughs> As of June 2017, the tour has not begun. <laughs> but but I will say there's an arena tour called Marvel Universe Live. Yeah. That we went to uh How was that? a little over a year. It was fantastic. Really? I mean Aww. it's it's you know, you don't go expecting movie quality stuff, but it's a stunt show. It's a fun <coughs> family oriented nice. stunt show that, that mm-hmm. uses the Avengers. It was badass. We had a blast, and it's coming back into Atlanta. In 2018, oh, so beginning of next year. Oh yeah, I'll it's at Phipps and at Gwinnett 
Arena. Gwinnett Arena. Like, like they've announced yeah. dates. There are no bad seats at Gwinnett Arena. Yeah, you're not kidding. I've seen a few things. I wish more stuff would happen there. But anyway, so Spider-Man, turn off the dark. Uh, hopefully, for you listeners, we can track down an import DVD of that and maybe do a needless commentary yeah. on that thing because How I'm dying to Evil see Deb it. One, like, how's the quality? It's all, if you see, oh, it's great. It's almost like it's like it's not I'm like an audience it. with a shaky <laughs> okay, cam. Cool, like it's cool. really not. Nice. <laughs> I've actually I've seen that one too. That yeah. import and uh, yeah, like I was just wondering if it looked like crap. No, it's solid. It's solid. Nice. Cool. All right. I like how we're doing air quotes on an audio podcast. <laughs> I, I honestly, if the I feel like the listeners know us they're, well enough by now, they sense the I air sense quotes. The air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Sense. yeah, around import. Uh, so 2012, we get the Amazing Spider-Man, which is Sony five years after the prior Spider-Man movie rebooting the franchise. Uh, with Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, Mark Webb directing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, a different sensibility than the Sam Raimi movies. Yeah, for sure. And I really, really liked the first Amazing Spider-Man. A lot. I thought Andrew Garfield, as much as I liked Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Garfield was a little too cool as Peter Parker, but was perfect as Spider-Man. Oh yeah, he was perfect as Spider-Man. He had yeah. the jokes, uh, he, you know, they went back to doing practical stunts mm-hmm. in the spider suit as opposed to the CGI. Because one of the things that doesn't really hold up about Raimi's movies, excuse me, is the CB- CGI web swinging. Oh yeah, when you see that computer generated Spider Man, you're like, oh look, it's a computer generated Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and it's one of those things when it's an entire body that CGI, like especially with Doc Ock right now. Like he's like that scene of him on the train. He's entirely oh, CG, yeah. and it looks bad. Like it's if it's rough. part, if it's just the arms, it's like you've cool. got it. You've got to use it as enhancement. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, when I it's the really... entire man, yeah, it looks weird. Yeah, it, I, it's it just looks off putting. Yeah, I I enjoyed the first one. I I I didn't love it as much as I did the the McGuire ones, uh, the, especially the first two. But I did think it was interesting that they 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 went with uh, the Gwen Gwen instead of MJ. And that was smart. I, I I thought the casting of Emma Stone was was great. I oh, she, fantastic! She, she's perfect. I thought the casting of Dennis Leary as Captain Stacy was brilliant. Yeah, uh, see, really, the weakest part of that movie was uh, the lizard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, I didn't care for the design no, at all. I didn't either. Uh, the way that they used Lizard was not how he's traditionally been portrayed in the comics. No. And give him a damn lab coat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why would yeah. a just, lab coat be lame? No. I, you know, everything else about the movie was so good, but the Lizard was pretty weak. And, and he also. He's a weird villain to start with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean. But he's another one of those tragic villains, but they didn't portray him really that No, way. they didn't. He was just. I just feel tragic. Well, and, the, um, and one of the issues, and, and it's not really fair when the real world intrudes into the movie, mm-hmm. but Rice Ifans, Ifans, I don't know how you pronounce his name, mm-hmm. the actor that portrayed uh, Kurt Connors was a gigantic douchebag in a lot of interviews. Uh, and, and there was one incident in particular where he was uh, just a jerk to the this media. The guy who plays the lizard? Yeah. Okay. And uh, it just left a bad taste in my mouth about him. Yeah. And then when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, he is a douchebag. Yeah. Well, and I wasn't I wasn't as keen on Andrew Garfield as Peter. 
except when he was with Aunt May, because I thought him and Sally Field worked. Oh, great! I mean, well, you can put you can put me in a scene with Sally Field. That's true. And my my and people would be like would be that. Bobby Nash was a good Peter exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, Sally Field can, can you know she's so good she can make you know she could work she could work with a two before and it would be a great performance. Yeah. So you know, I thought casting her because you know it's funny everybody saw. Really, she she's not quite old enough to be Aunt May. Because <laughs> you know, we, we got used to the you know. They also said it was too early to reboot a Spider-Man movie. That's and true. Here we go. Yeah. So yeah, right. Seriously. Yeah. Well, and that's Amazing Spider-Man two followed two years later, uh, and uh, once again, you had fantastic story with your protagonists. You know, the Gwen and Peter story was really good. Uh, the, this movie is the reason I'm a fan of Dane DeHaan. I, I thought his work as Harry Osborn was just tremendous. He was so compelling in that movie. Uh, but Jamie Foxx was the drizzling shits in that movie. I felt, Every scene yeah. that he mm-hmm. was in felt like something from a 1995 comic book adaptation. I felt like it was two movies. We get to the point where it feels like we're at the end of the movie. And then Electro shows up again. I'm like, oh yeah, we haven't dealt with this guy. And then it almost feels like it becomes another movie. Is there Rhino in it too? Rhino's in yeah. it too. And I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I didn't care for the giant robot Rhino suit. Yeah, I thought see, that was stupid. I saw the giant robot Rhino and I saw Electro and Jamie Foxx and I was like, I'm not going to see that movie. And I didn't. I understand. Believe yeah. me. I was I, like that, like, cause I like Rhino a lot. Mm-hmm. And I realized it might be kind of dumb, like live action, but. No. I'm well, the thing is, though, at this point in, you can get away in comic book film, there's no such thing as dumb in live action. And I, you have a raccoon. There's no with a rocket launcher, right? You know? And that's the you thing. Can go anywhere is if you hire good writers, yeah, they can get away with anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's the same thing with lizard. It's like, why did he look so stupid? Why didn't you just make him like a crazy looking green lizard with a big snout and a lab coat? He would look badass, right? But instead, instead you have weird this weird thing with a human face that's like face, yeah. not even mm-hmm. as cool looking as a slee stack. Exactly. See, yeah. like, it's stuff like that that pisses me off. And there's something... Yeah. And, and, that's, talk- and that's the Sony problem. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. why Sony had to let Marvel use Spider-Man. Yeah. Is because Sony has this mental block where they still value the phrase, that's too comic booky. Yep. Right. There's a there's an old totally. there's a story yeah. that I, I heard it from from um, Bendis say it. So, I mean, I wasn't there. It's a secondhand story, but he that's was, all we've got here on the Needless Things podcast. But he <laughs> Bendis <laughs> called me the other night. People people I from, heard it was a big influence on the anime. <laughs> yeah. People people at Marvel oh were called in to Sony's offices when they were working on the first round of Spider Man movies, and so. He's. Te- I think he wrote a blog or something about it. He's telling this story about they're in there and, you know, and they're they're questioning everybody and they're asking him. And he says that at one point there, there's there's all this talk about what they're going to do in these movies, and there's one guy at the end of the table that has said nothing, and they're just talking back and forth of what they can do and how they see potentials of things, and this guy finally goes, "I have one question." And like, and so he's, he must have been a money man because everybody stops and goes, "Yes, what's your question?" And he goes, "Does it have to be spiders?" And that's wow. kind of the reaction he got. And they're like, um, "It's called Spider Man." 
And the guy goes, yes, but kids are afraid of spiders. Oh, you're so out of touch, dude. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, ask any kid who their favorite superhero oh, is. Spider-Man. We Spider-Man need to get is- that guy together with the guy that did uh, Superman Lives. Oh, they yeah. They wanted the big spider yeah, the villain. Spider, yeah. Oh, we need to get those two guys together to make some <laughs> kind of fucked up, like, movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want that so bad. But, and, but you're right. It I, would I, be I, so bad. <laughs> I, I do think Sony still feels that, okay, we're going to get Spider-Man because people love Spider-Man. How can we change it and make it better? Yeah. yeah. Have so it, that's, and that's well, how can, how can we make it how can we make it palatable? Right. And yeah. No, it already is. Yeah. That's why this character has been around for 50 plus years. Yeah. Is because he is palatable. It's, it's, you just take it I'm, and. I'm hoping that the days of like, you know, it's like, oh, who is that character? Oh, that's supposed to be so and so. You can't tell though because they're wearing a leather jacket. And right, right, right. And it's like, oh, yo, but it's a colored leather jacket. Those like, days, those days aren't gone. I know. I'm saying I'm hoping they're, they're, Getting behind us. Yeah, I, yeah, they're they're going away. Yeah, I hate that dude. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Well, certainly the Marvel the Marvel movies have have helped a lot because oh yeah, they're sticking to what they're sticking to, or at least close to. Yeah, you know, I mean, you still have real world, you know, things to deal with because. Well, and I do, but, I do agree that you you can't have Wolverine running around in blue and yellow spandex because that's silly. However, I want to see Wolverine in that fucking costume from the end of the Wolverine, mm-hmm. from yeah. the deleted scene. Oh, it looked awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. See, that can happen. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't but, have to be black leather right. with yellow stripes on it. Spider-Man's appearance in Civil War, granted, there's minor tweaks to the costume. Sure. But, my God, that's Spider-Man. Well, and the eyes were genius. Yes, oh, no, ma- it was great. Making those, the little, uh, the Layered however the up. eyes work, yeah. right, with the layers, yeah. so it can be expressive. It's awesome. Because that's, that's one of those things that's happened in the comics for years. Yeah. Or, you know, and I had to explain in the comics. Right, right. yeah, it's, well, it's <laughs> one of those things that didn't really happen, but just to get an emotion or whatever, you can do, you know. Yeah. And then now that it, he can do it in the, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, when it just goes, you know, I'm yeah. like, <gasps> yeah. you know, yeah. you have that little no, nerdgasm. I, I was in from the trailer. I was yeah. like, oh shit, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, you could tell. And it's by far my favorite Spidey suit that they've had live action, mm-hmm. by far. And I think that Tom Holland just, and again, I've only seen Civil War and the videos that have been on. My mouth shut. Yeah. We've, we've had quite a few <laughs> Like viral videos with the NBA stuff and the, right, the party, right. and so there's been a lot of that. I think Tom Holland has plays Spider-Man well. Well, I think he's going to be he's the first 35. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's going to be the first one that is a great Spider-Man and a great Peter Parker. Yes. But uh, I, Bobby, you and I will find out tomorrow we'll night. Find out tomorrow <laughs> night. Mr. Otis, you won't find out for about six more months. You'll find out tomorrow. That. You'll find out tomorrow night when he comes home, either raving or raving. no. I won't spoil anything for Mr. <laughs> Otis. Okay, I want to wrap this thing up by what is because obviously Spidey started in the comic books. What is the most recent? Spidey comic. What's the last Spidey comic that you guys read? Uh, I'll start with Bobby. Okay. Because you know the answer. got into it in our <laughs> yeah. lost segment. Yeah. Um, I, I'd come back to the, I'd left Spider-Man for a while and I came back to Spider-Man when, uh, Joe Straczynski started writing him because that's a big Babylon 5 fan. 
the book starts out pretty well, and then it kind of goes off the rails. And uh, as so many of them do. Yes, and I actually I was getting to a point I was, I was stopping, and then I heard his run was ending, so I said I'll stick to the end of his run and see what happens. The end of his run, which I say his run, there's a big debate because it was a lot of it was rewritten at a company level. Right, right. Um, it's called One More Day. It's a it's four issues. Uh, it deals with Aunt May had been shot, yeah. I believe, and Mephisto, who is Marvel's version of the devil, shows up and offers to save her at the cost of wiping Peter and Mary Jane's we- uh, marriage out of existence. For for the listeners who may not be familiar, one of the most popular storylines Marvel's ever produced. Right. <laughs> not. And so... Are we bringing back not? We're totally bringing back not. So there's a big, this big back and forth. Stay tuned. We're going to bring back Schwing. 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 Party on. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's this big bit about what Very should we nice. do it? Should we not do it? Should we, you know. And <laughs> it's, you know, big spoiler here because I'm trying to, I want to save all of you the pain of reading this. Uh, MJ's the one that actually makes the deal with Mephisto, not Peter. And so, with apparently she makes the concession that she gets to remember. Right. And no one else does. She gets to remember, and also she gets to work for Tony Stark. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so it undoes the marriage. But Marvel then decided, wait, this is our chance to undo... Lots of shit. Ugh. So suddenly, Harry Osborn is alive. Oh, they put Peter's secret identity back in the box because that had been revealed. Yeah, which granted needed to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, suddenly, like even his friends, like Johnny Storm and and Daredevil, no longer knew who he was. And ooh, we can change this. Well, and, in in some some comics they didn't. Some comics they did. Yeah. And so, Marvel's really good at current continuity. Yeah, and so it went through all this stuff of we can just start changing shit now. And and I was like, you know what? This looks like a good time for me to just step back. <laughs> and I've I've tried picking up some here and there. I have what, a friend. What was this? What year? Roughly? I don't know. Was it was six it or was seven years ago? Something like that. Yeah. that. yeah. It was right so. before Dan Slott took, came on board. Yeah, yeah. The oh, hasn't yeah. been a minute, hasn't it? Oh wow! Yeah, you know, so it yeah, it's been. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I on if the listeners, if you're regular visitors to needlessthingsite.com, as a matter of fact, today my newest previews uh, rundown went up. You know that I give Marvel a lot of shit, but I will give Marvel Comics credit for one thing: they provide plenty of jumping off points <laughs> for their comic book series. Yeah, like every other week. Every yeah, yeah. you constantly get opportunities to say fuck this book and stop buying it. Yeah. Well, I I understand that, that at the time Marvel's the leadership didn't like the idea of him being married, but they also they also said, well, if he gets divorced, that is a different thing, you know. It's, then he's a bad person. Yeah. So divorce is bad. And we don't <laughs> want to kill off Mary Jane because we've already tried that and it didn't work. Because they had tried that day, they were trying to get him back so he could he could date again. So they killed her, and it turned out she wasn't dead, and blah blah blah. Because yeah. comics, because yeah. comics, because nobody. And that. so, but 
this deal with, a deal with the devil is how you undo this. Sure. And sure. then I don't think they've told a story since then that they couldn't have told with him married. Yeah, which no, you're the, absolutely you know, right. Yeah, which means that but it's pointless. One thing that I, I asked married. my friend who, who was still reading the book, I said, so... Does Mephisto just like show up, or do we see Mephisto just in the background every once in a while? Is Mephisto fucking around? No, they probably no never ignore. again does Mephisto show up. See, that would have been cool. Because I'm be thinking, like, why? Why else would Mephisto make this deal unless he's getting some perverse yeah. pleasure out of it? That's a story, you know. Yeah. And Marvel's well, not interested in stories. <laughs> they're, they're interested in spots in Time Magazine spoiling mm. the events yeah. of the comic that's coming out the next day. Yeah. Well, I knew that uh, I knew Steve Rogers was in you know had the Hail Hydra nice. thing yeah. like a month so before. What uh, what's the last Spidey comic you read? Uh, the last one I got was this crossover between the Punisher, Daredevil, and Spider Man. Oh yes, yeah, it was called that the Omega. Was good. Yes, and it was awesome. Yes, it was great. Yeah, and I really liked that, and I. I bought all the. That was uh, Greg Rucka's run on Punisher, yeah. right? Yeah, it was yeah, Greg yeah. Rucka and Mark Wade. Mark Wade Daredevil. Yeah. Oh my all gosh! Yeah. Crossover. It was all awesome. strong, strong. I, I did read that because they're in the Daredevil trades. When I was reading the yes. Daredevil trades, yes. they're in yeah. there, and yeah, good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. I love that Rucka run and that Wade run. Oh man, those, those are exemplary runs on both yeah. of those books. Man, I was all about it. I am um, very. That was yeah. the last one I read because after that. I just start, like you know just due to whatever saving money. Yeah, yeah. I've just gotten to where like I'll buy trades of stuff I really like, and that's about it. Well, like I said, Marvel makes it easy to say eh, I don't need to buy this anymore. Yeah. Well, so that ultimate or Spider-Man they cancel stuff, a book that's really good. Yeah. yeah. That ultimate Spider-Man stuff I'm interested in. So I'm Dude, I, yeah. I, I I I give that my highest. Yeah. Best. Uh, I, out of well, we'll get to this in a minute. I'll say uh, my the last Spidey book that I was buying regularly was called Spidey. Uh, it was a comic by Robbie Thompson. Uh, it started off being illustrated by Nick Bradshaw, who I mm. love. And it was out of continuity, and it went back to Peter's high school days. And it wasn't quite the same thing as Ultimate Spider-Man. Each issue was a story. Each issue dealt with a different villain. Uh, there was there was a Doctor Octopus issue. There was a Green Goblin issue, but they weren't origins. They were, oh, Doctor Octopus showed up. We got to handle this now. It, it was one of the most fun. That's awesome. It's like Raven the Bowl or something. Uh, yeah, it, it was really fantastic. There yeah. was an issue where uh, Peter teamed up with Captain America and nice. was was starstruck. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. it, it's if. It, it, if the listeners or you guys, if you didn't read Spidey as it was coming out, they've collected it in trade now. Nice. And nice. it is fantastic. The art is beautiful. It's very accessible artwork. If, if you're not familiar with Nick Bradshaw, uh, I would compare him to a slightly cartoonier Jeff Darrow. Uh, he is very detail-oriented. Like mm-hmm. His art is so lush. You can look at a panel and just see so much going on. He, he worked on... Uh, he actually... The first time I found him, he was doing Ash and Evil Dead comics. Oh, uh, nice. and I then read a bunch of this. Yeah, so I he, probably saw a lot he of did the more cartoony stuff of that, which mm-hmm. normally I don't care for a cartoony style and something like that. Yeah, but he's so good. Yeah, I I loved it. Yeah. Uh, kind of so reminiscent of a little Art Adams in there too. I, yes, I can yes, see some Art Adams. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I totally recommend Spidey awesome. uh, for anybody that didn't check it out. Okay, so I want to wrap this thing up. And I want to just snap response your 
favorite Spider-Man, Ryan. Uh, 90s animated series. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Okay. That's, okay. What I, that's what it started on. It's what I love. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched it today and I was like, oh, it's just as good as I remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and it is. It totally holds up. Yeah. Bobby? I'm going to go with 90s Spider-Man. Oh, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Wow. Just because, I mean, I, as much as I love the comics, I, there's just, those were so much fun. And yeah, that, that he's kind of... My my go to sound for Spidey now is kind of a mix between the '90s guy and the '60s guy. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. The '90s guy just never said "wallop" and "web snappers," and that always <laughs> me, huh? but. Uh, for me, it's Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man. Like nice. that is my that's my Spidey. That's awesome. Uh, and I just bought uh, Hasbro just put out a two pack of Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate Vulture, and the Ultimate Spider-Man figure is the best Spider-Man figure I have ever owned. It's nice. gorgeous. And, and I'm so happy to finally have that incredible run of comic books, 120-something issues yeah. uh, represented in plastic. Well, I'm, I would also say a lot of the old Spideys from the 70s and up in the 80s now are being marvelous packaging these new epic collections. Yes, epic collections are great. I believe there's the, the next Spider-Man related one coming out feature inc- includes Craven's Last Hunt. Oh, oh man. which is absolutely one of hands down one of the best Spider-Man stories. Yes. I could do an entire movie with just Craven. Absolutely. Like, uh I man, I'm dying to see Craven on screen. Uh in my head right now, Craven is Javier Bardem. Oh, I can see that. Uh, that would be badass. But there, you know, there are other possibilities. But I just, for Danny some reason, Trav. oh man, oh dear, uh, no, not Danny Trejo. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, all right, that's that's Spider Man. Oh, yeah. I think we've covered it, you guys. Yeah. Uh, before we go, Bobby Nash, where can we find you online? What are you up to? Uh, well, I'm always posting on my social media. Uh, you can find links to all of that at uh, bobbynash.com. But I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter most of the time. You know, usually because I post it to Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's all of us. That's yeah, what we all do. So. Ryan Cadaver? Yeah, just look up uh, Cast Creatures on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming out to the Phantom Zone and uh, talking about Spider Man and saving my bacon for this they week's know, they, episode. I guess so they know where to find you, huh? Yeah, everybody knows. It's, I'm so it's hyped to see this new movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I, so I guess I am uh, contractually obligated to have you back on if we do a Spider Man Homecoming I'm episode. Down. I'm going to say, I'll just get together Friday night, Friday night for 10 minutes and do a real quick review yeah, yeah, right. end of it. Seriously. All right, thank you guys. All right, true believers, tune in next week to find out what Ryan, Bobby, and Phantom thought of Spider-Man Homecoming. I, I, you know what? I don't feel like that was the worst Stanley impersonation that's ever been done. Uh, it's not the best impersonation of anything I've ever done. It's not bad. I'll take it. I'm gonna leave. I'm not gonna delete it. I'm gonna leave it and see what you guys think. But seriously, next week on the Needless Things podcast, uh, Ryan, Bobby, and I will reconvene, probably right here in the Phantom Zone, to talk about Spider-Man: Homecoming. Because why not? And also because I didn't have any plans for next week's show. 
because I don't know why. And I do have, weirdly, I have outlined episodes through February. Weird. Uh, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And if you look at the numbering of the episodes, then maybe you'll figure out what that reasoning is. Uh, maybe you just don't care that much. I don't know. So, join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Get in on the conversation, as I like to type on needlessthingsite.com. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you've got an episode idea. Let me know if you're making a thing and would like to appear on the Needless Things podcast. You can find me as Phantom Turblemooker on Twitter at phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you'd like to talk about or what you'd like to hear us talk about. And uh, next, let's see, this month's Needless Commentary... Uh, it's going to be closer to the end of the month. I think I, I was trying to hit the middle of the month with that, but I think end of the month tends to work a little bit better for whatever reason. We'll see. We'll see. You guys, I hope you enjoy Spider-Man Homecoming and everything else in your life. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vic's employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you, mean it, uh-huh.